Welcome to your go-to podcast for the pool and spa industry. My name is Tyler Rasmussen. And my name is Greg Viafania. And this is the Pool Chasers Podcast. Welcome to the Pool Chasers Podcast. This is episode 13. In this episode, we interview Megan Kendrick of Pool Pro Magazine. This was a really cool interview for us because Pool Pro Magazine is our favorite magazine in the industry. We pick it up every time it comes out on the shelves. So if you guys haven't checked it out yet, please grab it from your local SEP when it comes out. The next magazine release is in early August, and I've heard there's some pretty cool people on that cover. So check that out. Megan just recently purchased a magazine, and she's got some exciting stuff to share on this podcast. Megan talks about growing up in North Dakota, where you know she kind of grew up around oil fields, and how there's actually kind of a lot of similarities to the pool industry so that's a pretty cool part of the podcast you know comparing the two also we kind of jump into her college experience she was here in az and then moved to some other colleges and how she kind of made the transition from playing sports to a journalism degree which is a pretty drastic change if you ask me but you know she did it and that's what led her into working here at pool pro she talks about how it was a real struggle to find a journalism job you know in a bad economy how she's so grateful that pool pro gave her a chance you know during those tough times and we kind of discussed some of the challenges you know of the transition from being an employee to an owner you know and her daily hustle to improve an already great product you know she talks a lot about feedback from the readers and you know they don't really get a whole lot of it and she would really love it if you guys do read it if you guys could reach out let them know which articles are your favorite what you would like to see in the magazine she you know is genuine about that she's trying very hard to give us the best content possible and your feedback helps tremendously with that so if you don't read the magazine already we hope you guys will pick up a magazine off the shelf and you know check it out let her know it's a really cool magazine it has a lot of cool stuff geared towards the industry to you know what we do specifically it focuses a lot on us So thank you, Megan, for that again. And we truly hope you guys enjoy this episode. Just wanted to mention real quick, you know, we did release the Reflections episode about Pool Chasers merchandise and swag. So if you guys have not checked that out yet, please do so. We came up with a really cool idea to fill out this form so we can get your feedback as well to help better the podcast, better the community. And we would love for you guys to fill out the form, donate if you feel like you get value out of the podcast so that we can continue to do it for you guys. Thank you so much, guys. And let's jump right into this episode. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Megan. Uh, For all of our listeners, Megan has flown here all the way from Oklahoma. So thank you so much. I know anybody that enjoys uh, quality audio is really going to appreciate you coming here for that. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah. So how was the flight? It was fine. It was pretty, pretty uneventful. Like you don't get a whole lot of direct flights out of Oklahoma City. And so this was one of the few. So that's really nice just to get on the plane. Don't have to think about anything. Just go instead of stopping three times. Yeah. No crying babies, no chatty I mean, Kathy. Yeah, next I mean to you. there is there is a screaming child for a little while, but as a parent, I have a lot of compassion for those people. So <laughs> <laughs> it's rough. Anytime I hear a crying baby on an airplane, I feel so bad for the parents because there's nothing you can do, especially if it's like you're halfway there. It's like, dude, you're screwed. You're, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> yes, your even heart- if you were to turn the airplane around, you're just. That's it. Your heart goes out to them. Absolutely. Because that's every parent's worst nightmare is to get on that. Like, you're so nervous to get on the plane anyway. You don't know what they're going to do. And then they start screaming and your your heart just sinks. (laughs) You just want to tell them, like, hey, it's okay. It's okay. It's not an inconvenience. I understand. Yeah, exactly. One one flight I was on, we we had, like, the seats. And this this lady came, like, very last with a lap child. And we already had a lap child. 
So you can't put two lap trials in the same row because they only have four oxygen masks. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So like they moved this guy next to us and, and like my kid, that was the worst my kid's ever been on an airplane. And the, the suitors just kept coming in, like giving him more alcohol. <laughs> She's like, you know, we're going to just going to give you, and she just kept like, he probably had like nine Jack and Cokes. Like it just, she, and she gave him all for free. She's <laughs> like, we, you know, we moved you there and we kept like, I'm really sorry. Like he's not normally like this because our kids are pretty good and so they're not really like screaming like public criers like that and so i'm like sorry i don't i don't really know what's going on so he was like as cool as he could be but i mean he was pretty drunk towards the end (laughs) (laughs) but she was pretty the stewardess was really like just kept i mean he didn't pay for anything which was cool i guess for him but and how long is a flight from oklahoma it's just a couple hours just a couple hours it's not it's not bad is there anything you do on the flights you read or listen to audiobooks or podcasts or anything like that so i i definitely read i mean it's since I bought the business, it's I've it's been the first time I've traveled alone for a long time. And so it's been so nice just to be able to sit there by myself and not have anyone wanting anything from me <laughs> or grabbing me or, you know, I could just actually sit there and read a book. It's it's pretty exciting. So I've had a couple work trips um, in the last few months. And so I definitely have read a lot more just because of that. It's been really nice. Is there any books recently you would suggest that's pretty good? Oh, man. So the one I was reading on the plane today was called, uh, I think, The Art of Getting Things Done or Getting Things Done, The Art of Something Like That. And so it was a book that was um, recommended to me that's been on my nightstand for the last month that I finally got to pick up and look at on the plane. And so far, so far, so good. I'm, I'm, I think it's got some good tips in there. So like to like prioritize your time and stuff. Yeah, it's. I think it gives you like a really clear system on how to kind of organize and prioritize everything that you need to get done like work-wise and personal and so um you know as a new business owner there's just a lot of things that have to happen right now and I'm kind of learning how to manage all of that um and so I hopefully this will this will help me that I don't feel like I'm um, in that like everything's on fire mode every day (laughs) yeah you're definitely gonna need it and we're really excited because we've known you for a little while now and we're really excited about uh, your new role, your new purchase. So you want to introduce yourself and what you do exactly? Yeah, sure. So I, my, I'm Megan Kendrick, um, and I bought Pool Pro magazine um, in April. So it's been it's been a few months now. Um, I worked at the magazine as um, running the editorial department you know, since I've worked for that company for ten years, and since Pool Pro helped get it off the ground when we started, I think in 2012. So, so yeah, that's what, that's what I've been doing the last, last couple months. Congratulations, Megan. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so you went from, um, employee to owning it. How was that transition for you? I mean, you know, I think when you're an employee, you think you're already doing everything, which my parents were small business owners. And so I, I knew that that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still feel like you're, you're doing probably more than you really are. And I was, I was surprised how quickly it switched. Um, just my attitude about everything that we did and, um, just the amount of other stuff that I have to do besides the actual work of putting out the magazine, all the back end stuff. I, it's all new to me. And so I'm slow at it. So I, that will, that will get better, but mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely am wearing a lot of hats and it's been a little, it's been a little overwhelming, but, but it's exciting. I mean, it's what I signed up for. And so, you, you mean know. the putting out the fires part? The- yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like <laughs> that's the hardest part I mean, of it. I think you're the now the alpha and omega. Yeah. yeah. Everything. Yep. There's nobody, 
for you to go to. to. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, when someone says, hey, this XYZ isn't working on your website, like I'm the one who has to take care of it. And it takes up an entire day. And I wasn't able to get the three other things that were critical for that day done. And so, yeah, it's been it's been an adjustment. (laughs) Yeah. We had a situation like that the other day with uh, brothers where it was like we had all this stuff planned and then we had to kind of talk with some of our people and it took like two hours and it was like oh all right well there goes that little window so let's go do our let's go do our other job and kind of try to fit these other things in later and you know it just it's crazy how that like spirals down and takes up so much of your time and you just that's what you got to learn and that's the biggest i think shift from working somewhere and owning it is like okay well i'm the last person in line so nobody can tell me and i think that's why we talk about mentorship so much and other people have done similar things where you can kind of reach out to them when you are an entrepreneur and doing it you know you can reach out to somebody else who actually runs a business even if it's not the same type of business like hey how do you handle these kind of situations really helps but yeah Yeah. you're the last you know last line of fire you have nobody to nobody to fix it for you yeah i mean it's been i have a great team and they have been so great and supportive through this whole process um and, you know, they know that I've got a lot of new things on my plate and that I, you know, I'm really busy. And so they've taken on a lot of stuff. And I know that they try really hard to not have things hit my desk when they when they don't need to. And they've just they've been awesome. And I could not I could not survive without them. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Us either. So we're going to definitely jump into everything that you do at Pool Pro Magazine, where it's at, where it's going, where people can find it, all that good stuff. Um, but let's jump into the earlier years of Megan Kendrick uh, growing up. As you know, I know you've heard the podcast before. We usually like to talk to the interviewee about just how they grew up and how it really helped shape them. And you have a really cool story having uh, family. Um, your dad was an entrepreneur and owned a small business and things like that. So really excited to hear your story. So let's start from the beginning. Yeah, well, so I started life as Megan McCormick, not Megan Kendrick. Um, yeah. Um I uh, I grew up in North Dakota in a little town called Williston, which until the last you know until the last oil boom, no one had ever heard of. Now many people have heard of Williston, um, but my parents actually grew up in the in the Southwest in the um, like Aztec New Mexico area, um, and they moved to Williston in the oil boom in the eighties, and so that's where I was born and where and where I grew up. Um, but yeah, they were small business owners. And actually, the the true entrepreneur of my family is my grandfather. He's one of those guys who like was always doing something. Um, he was like a school teacher and a coach and then got into real estate. He was the mayor at some point. Like he just always had a business. Um, and he started him and a bunch of, of he had a networking group and they started actually started a bank um, so like he's the, he's the entrepreneur of the family. And so my dad had worked in the oil industry pretty much his whole life and actually like started working on the rigs when OSHA didn't exist. And he was like 15 okay, <laughs> times. Yeah. The man has, I mean, he, the man has nine lives. It's amazing. He's, it's amazing. He's still here considering all of his, all of his crazy stories. But, um, you know, they went up there in the boom in the eighties and then, you know, it went bust and, my, he was telling my grandpa about, you know, kind of what was going on up there. And, you know, there's all this stuff and now everyone's left and there's no one to take care of it. And my grandpa was like, well, why don't you do it? And my dad's like, oh, I don't have any money. I don't really have any. He's like, well, let's, I'll help you. Like, let's, let's do this. And so he was kind of the one who said, no, you need to own your own business and, and you can do this. And so, um, so they started Northern Chemical when I was, I don't know, I was probably three years old. I don't know. Have you ever seen that movie? There'll be blood. Yes. Yeah, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. 
a lot of people will be like, oh, it's kind of slow, but Daniel Day-Lewis is my favorite actor. That's a really good movie. And it's There intense. Will Be Blood is definitely intense, and that has a lot to do with the, the, the beginning, the origins of, you know, finding oil and how to make an insane amount of money doing it. <laughs> you know what yes. I mean? Yes. Um, yeah, well, no one in my family is making an insane amount of money. Because um, <laughs> no there's so many people no doing one's it become, now. No one's become a millionaire. Um, no, they're doing fine. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the oil industry is interesting because there's what what my dad does and kind of what my husband does now too, it, it really kind of parallels the pool industry in some cool ways because like oil doesn't come out of the ground, like ready to sell. Um, and it has to have like certain percentages and levels and like parts per million of stuff before that any, they'll even pick it up and take it to the refinery. And so what my dad did and what my husband does now is, um, you know, you'll go out to a well and you'll put a bunch of chemicals in it until it's treated and can actually, can actually be sold. Um, and so it's kind of funny because it's really, I didn't really think about this until, until recently, how similar what they do is to, to what you guys do in a lot of, in a lot of ways, as far as taking care of customers and going out there to your, your oil well or your pool every day and making sure that everything's running right. They fix a lot of, fix a lot of pumps, yep, <laughs> I'm sure. fix a lot of stuff. Um, you know, they have to wear, you know, FRs and hard hats and steel toed boots, but yeah. <laughs> but it's pretty similar in, in a lot of ways, regu- which is, much more which regulated. Is funny. Yeah. It's <laughs> just probably a little bit. <laughs> so how old were you or were you even born yet when your dad jumped into owning his own business and doing that with your grandfather? Yeah. So I, I mean, I was three, so that was pretty much what I knew of growing up was them owning this business. And my mom helped him in the business too. She did all the paperwork and stuff and they ran it out of our house. There was, um, I mean, they had a warehouse, obviously we're not having barrels of chemical in our backyard. Um, but yeah, no, 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 no barrels of chemical, but, um, but yeah, they ran it at a house. Uh, and so that was pretty much, that was what we knew in it. Um, you know, I saw how, how hard they worked and kind of what all that entailed. Um, you probably almost didn't even know any different because a normal, in a normal house, somebody works a nine to five job mm-hmm. or they wake up really early and come home at three or four. That's a pretty normal day. But when you're, when you own your own business and you're an entrepreneur, there's no set time. You could go in at three in the morning, five in the morning later, but there's no set time. So you must have seen just crazy hours. Um, so do you really, yeah. do you know any different? I think when you're a kid though, you don't, and you don't know any different, you don't know any different, Exactly. you know? And so I don't think I really realized until I was an adult or in really a parent, like how much time they were really putting into it and what, what they were doing. I mean, I think you kind of know as you get older and you, and you watch them and you see how they work versus like how your friends, parents operate. Um, but you don't, I don't feel like you don't know when you're a kid. I mean, kids are, kids are pretty like innately selfish. So, (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember anything specific about just growing up and him having the business? Was he, did he have crazy hours? Was he always talking on the phone or what was he doing? Yeah. So he was always putting out fires and, um, and the thing about, um, thing about the oil industry is it's 24 hour business. It doesn't stop ever. Um, and so, yeah, he would, he would get up and leave at four o'clock in the morning and, you know, get back whenever the bad thing about, um, you know, his business too, is that things were really spread out, especially in North Dakota at that time. 
Um, so like one of his biggest clients was three hours away. And so he would get up and drive three hours and, you know, be there all day and then try to get home for whatever activity we had going on that night with school or sports or whatever it was. And it was nuts. And I don't know how he did it, but did he usually make it to events and things like that? That man never missed a game. I cannot think of a single game that my dad ever missed from the time that I was, I mean, I played a lot of sports since I was really little and he was at, he was at every single one. My mom was too, um, that they just, it was just important to them to be there and they made it work. And it was, it's something that I'll always remember about, about them and about, um, you know, how they sacrificed for our family. And now that I'm a parent, I'm, I'm just like, and a business owner, how did you do that? I do not understand how you were able to, to do that. And especially too, my, since my husband is in the same business, um, and, and does what my dad does. I, I see the hours that he's putting in and I see how far he has to drive every day and, and all of that. And I just, you know, I, it's a huge sacrifice and it's, and I, you know, but it made a big difference. Like that's one of the things that I remember from my childhood is my parents being in the stands for every single event or game or whatever I had, I had going on. Yeah. Did, did your mom or dad ever talk with you about what that sacrifice looked like? I mean, did your mom ever say, you know, you know, your dad, he's driving all the way back. It's a three hour drive. Or was it just, we just work hard and this is just life. This is what we do. Yeah. I don't remember there ever being a conversation specifically about it. And we talk about it now as, as adults, I talk to my parents about it and like, we kind of laugh about how some of those stories and some of the things that he would do to, to get back in time and when things would go wrong. And, um, but yeah, I just, no, I just, they just, has he ever shared with you anything that he would change when you were younger or at any point in time with you or his business? Was there anything that he could change? You know, I think, you know, we talked about how, employees think that they're the owners. And so my parents ran that business for 15 years and it was really successful and doing really well. And it was my dad and two other guys, they were brothers. Um, and I think they thought that they were running the business. And so they were like, we're going to take the guys that we're working with and go somewhere else. And I think they were promised the moon and that didn't really, that didn't really work out. But, um, and so then, so then they lost the business and my, my dad went to work for somebody else. And so I think that was a really painful time. And I, you know, I kind of wanted to ask him if he would change anything about that. Um, as, you know, as far as like how I communicated with this guy is he gave them a ton of freedom. You know, it was really one of those things where it's like, you do your work. I don't care when you do it, as long as it gets done and our customers are happy. That's, you know, that's all I care about. Um, so maybe he would have been a little bit more aggressive or just, I don't know. I think at the time that they left, my parents had been in the process of talking to um, like their financial advisors to set it up so that one of them could buy the business one day. And I think that maybe they would have communicated that sooner. Um, but, you know, my dad and my parents are not really the kind of people to like look back and say, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. I think they really kind of they're happy with where they're at and what they're doing and, and what they've done in their life. And I don't think that they feel, you know, like they, I don't think they feel like they did anything wrong. I think yeah. that that's just the way that, that it turned out. And, um, you know, they were able to provide us a great life growing up. And even when the business closed, um, you know, moved on and, and in some ways that could have been good because the next boom was really nuts. Um, you know, there could have been some things that they were ultimately protected from because they weren't still involved at that level when that happened. You know, who knows? 
Yeah. Um, but they're not, you know, it's not kind of the way that they, the way that they think. I think that's the best way to be because you can't change the past. You can't do anything about it. The only real benefit it has is in this situation where other entrepreneurs are looking to see what you would have done differently in the past. Mm -hmm. And we can kind of take that information and be like, yeah, I, that makes sense. We can make that change right now because we're a still a young business and we still have another, you know, 30 years in us to do this. So we can apply some of that stuff to our business. Now. Yeah. That's really the only benefit, you know what I mean? And somebody discussing, right. <laughs> you know, that thing. Well, I will say the thing that I feel like came out of that, that I think kind of relates to what you guys are doing is just the importance of, of community because, um, when the business was closing, my, uh, my dad was trying to get, he had to get everything out of the warehouse. So it's, you know, moving a bunch of these barrels of chemical and stuff out and something I guess was labeled incorrectly and he opened it up and there was this gas and it damaged his lungs and he ended up in the hospital. Oh, wow. And so, you know, he's in the hospital. He can't really breathe and he's, you know, it's not great. I had just had like reconstructive ankle surgery from a sports injury. And so, you know, so there's my mom going, what am I going to do? I got to get this stuff out of this warehouse. We still have a deadline and we still have to be out of here, even though he's laid up and, and can't do it. And so people just showed up like my, like my dad's competitors, guys that he knew that he'd worked with for a long time. They came up and they moved everything out of that warehouse. And um, that's really cool. That's it really is. Cool. And it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I think he, he always did things right. And he um, was well-respected and, you know, he had friends, even though they were technically competitors and, you know, it didn't matter. They knew that he, that he needed help and he knew that they knew that he would do the same for them and had done the same for them in other situations. And so they showed up with their kids who are, you know, high school kids and they, they moved everything out of that warehouse. And it was, um, it was a really, it was a really cool deal. And I think it's something that our whole family still looks back on with a lot of like, thankfulness. Um, and it's, it was, it was a really cool thing to see happen. And it's something that, you know, with you guys doing the podcast and I think even with the magazine, it's something that we really want to have is to build that community of, you know, we may be competing, but we're, we're all in this together and, you know, really, um, being there for each other in, in different ways when we, when we can. And, um, it's just, that it was just kind of a interesting thing that came out of what could have been a really bad situation. Right. And I mean, paying it forward is a, is a real thing. Could you imagine, you know, just us being in the pool industry, if we saw, you know, another pool company broke down on the side of the road, or we just heard about some issue that they're dealing with, and we stepped in, and we helped get them through that situation, or we, you know, charge a battery on their car, or whatever it may be, and be like, hey, like, this is what we do. When you see somebody broke down, or you see somebody in a similar situation, bring them up. You're in a better place than them at that time. Go in, step in, and help them out. Like, that's what we do. Don't, I don't, I don't have time. Cause I uh, like, just take the time to do it because mm -hmm. what if it were you, you think that person didn't, wasn't rushing to get home to their family or do something else. Like you're in a much better position than them. And that's really, you know, what we're trying to build here is not this. Cause I think for a long time we would look at it in that light and be like, I don't want to do that. Cause they're going to think it's weird because anytime you talk to somebody, at least in our area, it's almost like weird. Like, why are you talking to me? Like, why, why are you trying to get to know me? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's none of your business, but it's really cool to build up the industry to where we just all communicate together and we can help each other out and share information and not bring each other down by being negative. And, you know, we see things in these communities and I don't know if we talked about it in the last episode, but I hear people that 
they just got done with a job and they put it in a community on Facebook or something and they're proud of what they did and they say, hey, what do you think? And there's so many people that go on and why'd you do that? Rookie, amateur, you should have called a pro. Homeowner should have did it themselves, blah, 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 blah. There, there's like nothing positive in that at all. But there's also not very, there's like nobody that steps in and says like, how rude are you guys? Why didn't somebody step in and be like, hey, you did a really good job. That was your first one. Like, man, my first one was much worse. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, I may add a suggestion, blah, 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 blah. Because that's really what he was looking for. It was like, I'm really proud of this. I know I could have done it better. What do you think? Like, you know what I mean? I didn't ask you to come on here and be a freaking jerk. Yeah. That's not what I asked. You know what I mean? I could do that anywhere. I thought this was a community of people that are supposed to make us all better. How are we supposed to be better? Because if it were me by myself, if I didn't have my brother, that would push me out. That pushed me out. I'm like, why do I want to be a part of this sorry ass industry? All we do is freaking bash each other because that's the only way you get a high and you get ahead is by bashing other people. Because it's like, I know what I'm doing. They don't. Well, good for you. Like, I'm not going to the same school you went to. You know yeah. what I mean? Where people are jerks like that. They never remember like their first time. Like everybody has those first times of everything. You try the first time. It's like, yeah, yours look just like that. Yeah. <laughs> you were lucky enough that when you started 40 years ago, there wasn't social media. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Sure. You know? So yeah, everyone starts somewhere and that those beginning things can be, can be painful. Um, but I think there, there are such good people in this industry. And I think there's, I think there's, it's really at a place in the industry right now where people desire that, um, that community and that sort of we're in this together feeling. And so I think we're kind of at a place where I feel like people are really, really looking for that. Yeah. We're definitely pushing more towards that. And with the younger generations coming in, I think that's something where they're, they're hungry for that and that community. And that's, that's, I think that's our generation. The way we were raised feels that way. Whereas, you know, some of the older generations and like we always say, I respect everything they've done growing this business and they're the trailblazers of everything that happened. But you know, their, their, their view on it is much different. They think they're giving away a secret when it's really, I mean, even if you are, you're giving away the secret, you, that's how we all get better. That's how you make everything better. So that's how we build the same with how we, it's how you can, you know, different pool service companies can bill like at the same rates and the pool builders can have similar rates and you can all make more money and all be a better, you know, that, and they don't, see it that way and that's difficult and Hal did kind of open our eyes to that a little bit because he said that Texas isn't that way which I kind of get because it's Texas and you know Oklahoma those are the similar yeah. kind of you know my grandparents are from Kansas so I kind of understand that home feel like yeah. everybody helps each other and California, Arizona are definitely much different than yeah that. I, I mean I I lived in Arizona for 10 years and so um, it seems like a Arizona specific quality <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but the industry no, California actually, is definitely similar but but you know what the industry is good and there's there's a lot more good people than bad to be quite honest absolutely the unfortunate thing is is when you when you hear something negative or something or somebody does something negative to you it has such a that has a long lasting impact on you 
I'll take our everything Pool Chasers has done up to this point where it was just smooth, nothing but really good feedback. We're helping people out. And there was one person that said one thing and it was a bomb that went off. And I'm not going to get into that, but it, it, we just went through a roller coaster and it was just one thing. So there could have been thousands of positive things and one thing just shifted everything to where it's like, dude, we have to make this happen. We have to make this happen. And it, that's what makes it difficult because you're just in this ocean of beauty and then you just have the sharks that come yeah. around every so often and they just kind of want to bring you back down. But the important thing is to build an industry to where everybody's on the same page and you know that, hey, this is I can say whatever I want. I can ask for help at any given time. There's these platforms where I can learn different things um, because I think people would be much more educated if there wasn't that that fear that mm-hmm. fear of asking, because even when you go to a show and they're like, hey, let's do Q&A, whatever. Everybody sits around for a few minutes and they're just like waiting for like, oh, man, please, somebody raise their <laughs> hand. Please, somebody ask this question All right. because I really want to know. But I am not going to be that guy to go, hey, how do you, you know, I'm trying to get money from my customers. How should I go about that? I've been yeah. doing cash for 15 years. You don't want to be that guy, you know, because everyone's like, what? Freaking idiot. It's 2018. Cash? Yeah. You ever done taxes? But there's a lot of people out there who still operate that way. And, you know, I think that's something that in the magazine, um, you know, sometimes we want things to always look really, um, we want it to look really pretty and we want it to be perfect and all of this stuff. And sometimes I'm like, no, that's not this industry. Like, let's show it for what it is. And so, you know, maybe this location isn't gorgeous. Maybe it's not super high end. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a, a basic pool, but that's fine. Cause that's, that's a lot of the industry and there's nothing wrong with that. Like that's where people are at and, you know, everyone has to, everyone has to learn and grow and, and decide what they want their, their business to be. And so sometimes I have to remind myself that, you know, even with what we're doing, like it's not, everyone's at a different place. We want to show the industry for what it is and we want to be helpful to as many people as we, as we can, no matter where they're at or what they're, or what they're doing and working on. Yeah. yeah we, love, we love the basic pools. That's what makes okay. our business run. Yeah, I mean, the, the fancy ones and the high end ones are cool to look at, but I mean, the basic pool with one pump, one filter is how we, how we run our business. <laughs> but so. regardless of what somebody thinks and just looking at a picture of somebody's basic pool or visiting a basic pool or something like that, you always have to remember that that is somebody's sanctuary. This is where they, this is where they have dinner and their kid learn to swim for the first time in this pool. All these memories were made in this pool. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think it's basic, but you're taking care of a pool. You're putting in new equipment. You're balancing chemistry so that they can use it on the weekends or after work in school. Like you're in control of that, regardless of there's a bunch of weeds around it and this and that, that is still their home. And the kids love the swimming pool. I don't know what kid, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? What it looks like. This is, this is fun. And we're in control of taking care of all of that. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. I, I know I can, cause it, after doing so many bids and seeing so many pools, you're just kind of like, you've seen one, you've seen them all, but that's really not the case. And I, I do have to remind myself anyway, to go back and be like, Hey, you can't think like that. You have to remember that you've seen a lot of pools. They haven't, yeah. this is their pool and this is important to them and it's an investment and you got to take care of it so that they can enjoy it. Yeah. So you know, it's, it's definitely different from, you know, our standpoint to the person that actually owns the pool. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're in their home. There is nothing more intimate than that. I mean, it's, it's, 
it is their sanctuary and it's their place. You're on, you're on their turf and you're right. It's important. It's important to them no matter what it looks like. <laughs> right. So let, let's jump into the earlier years. I mean, what type of, you know, what type of kid were you? Were you like shy, introvert, extrovert? Were yeah. you outgoing? No. So I, I am a shy person at heart. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, no way. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, I, uh, I would hate, I would hate to order a pizza. Like even like doing that was like hard for me. So like in school or just yes, on the like, phone? like growing up, it, like on the phone, like I couldn't even, I couldn't even do that. I'm like painfully shy at heart. Like that's something <laughs> that I think as you get older, you, you can hide, you can hide better and better. But, um, but my thing was, so, so how did you get pizza? I made my mom do it. <laughs> mom. That's still how I get pizza. What are you talking about? <laughs> that is so awesome. Your mom has a good relationship with the pizza guys. Yeah. Abs- yeah, she does. Um, <laughs> But I, uh, so my thing, I mean, I'm tall. I, and I was tall as a child. So, I mean, you'll see pictures of me in preschool and I'm head or shoulders taller than all of the, all of the other kids. Um, and I played, I played a lot of sports. I played basketball and volleyball and that was kind of my identity because I think when you're a kid, anything that's different can be hard. And so being that tall, that young, I mean, I was like five, eight or five, nine in junior high. I was, and I'm six feet tall now. So I'm, I was tall and I think having sports and being good at sports was kind of the thing that kind of saved my self-esteem because it gave my otherness a a purpose. Um, And so that was, man, that was my thing. Like I, I was at the gym pretty much anytime there was something I, you know, was on a traveling basketball team when I was in elementary school. And then, um, you know, I played varsity volleyball and basketball starting when I was in junior high. Um, I mean, I was, I was decent and it was, it was the thing that I was, that I was good at and the thing that I got a lot of my identity from. Um, and I think it was assumed that I would go on and play at college. And that was kind of my plan. I think that was my parents' plan. And I was, you know, recruited a little bit, but then I got hurt. I had a pretty major ankle injury. And so that kind of changed everything. Um, and the funny thing about, about that injury too, is that, um, it just kind of, it's kind of one of those things that you go back and it's like that, that changed my whole life in some ways. Like it changed where I ended up going to college. It changed probably what I ended up doing as a career. And it really endears me to what we do in this industry with water because, you know, the ankle injury and four surgeries on that turned into a hip injury and three operations on that. And, you know, now the, they tell me I need a hip replacement, which seems ridiculous because I'm 34. Um, <laughs> you know, and then like the hip thing turns into a back thing. So I have like bulging discs and, you know, like all of that kind of stuff. And so like for me, water is my sanctuary and I understand like how important that is. And it's the place where I can like actually feel no pain for a while. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that I think I just have such a place in my heart for for swimming pools and hot tubs and like what they can do for people. Yeah, for what what they can do for people's bodies. I mean, when we first got married, we lived in Scottsdale. And we had this, this, we rented this house that had a little tiny pool. And I remember I hadn't been in a pool for, I don't know, a long time. I got in that swimming pool and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the first time in years that I felt good. And it was kind of, ever since that point, I was like, this is, this is it. Like, this is, we need to be talking about this and like promoting this and getting people into water and like letting them feel good. Cause you know, I mean, my injuries are relatively minor compared to what a lot of people deal with. And so, um, you know, just think about the things that people go through on a daily basis and how much being in the water can help them. And it's something I'm really, really passionate 
about. Yeah, we can see that. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so you know, we were talking back and forth that you had gone to a Christian school. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, me and Tyler went to a private Christian school as well. I only went there a couple of years, but Tyler actually went there from like what kindergarten to twelve. Yep. Graduated from there. Yep. The whole time. Is that your situation as well? (laughs) Yeah. So I, it's kind of funny because my, so little tiny town of Williston, North Dakota, 13,000 people. um, My parents and a group of other parents actually started this school when I was in third grade. They got together and they said, we want this for our kids. And so they, they got it going. Um, You know, it's not like the schools in North Dakota were were bad or anything, but um, I guess for, for my situation in particular, I wasn't very challenged in public school. And so they wanted a place where I could maybe have a little bit more academic rigor. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they started that. But yeah, so when the school started, it was 18 kids, grades like three through five, four. No, grades one through four. 18 kids in like one room, all mm. those grades. Yeah, it's like it kind of like takes you back to the <laughs> olden days and the yeah. one room schoolhouse kind of situation. Yeah, a little house on prairie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But it wasn't, it was not that. No. Um, and it grew really fast. And so, you know, every, like that was the only year we were all together ever since then. It was, it was all, it was split up. But, yeah. but yeah, I mean, a little tiny school in a little tiny town. I, I graduated from a class of 22 people. Um, we all knew each other pretty well by the time yep. you graduate. Sure. Yeah. You graduated with 20. Oh, good. Yep. So you, you know of what I speak. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it was do. weird too, because like when you know people that well, I mean, I don't know if this is how it was at your school or if this is just like a weird Northern thing, but like none of us dated each other because it was, we'd, I mean, we'd known each other since we were kids mm. and it was, it was like, it was like, we could not cross that barrier. It was a very, it was a weird thing. <laughs> never thought about that. Yeah. That would be really weird. Yeah. I mean, when you know someone since you were in second grade, I mean, we, like everyone had a crush on everyone at some point, you all liked each other, Yeah. but no one would really date. It was just, we couldn't do it. It phased out yeah. by like the fourth, fifth grade. Yeah. You, know, well, you say that, I think, you know, a lot of the people that we dated were people who came in outside. Yes, exactly. You know, not, not people who have been there with us for a long time. Yeah. You know, there was a few things. Yeah. When you grew up, it's like, Oh yeah, there's, they're cute together. Your parents think you're cute mm-hmm. together. And it's like this push. And there was like seven of us that had gone that my class is the biggest that's ever happened. It's seven of us that went from preschool till we till through until mm-hmm. we graduated. And we have like, I mean, there was pictures of us on these like ponies in preschool that they like <laughs> showed and it was like <laughs> kind of oh, embarrassing, yeah. but it was like all seven of us like on these ponies and like from preschool all the way. So yeah, I think you're right. I think it was kind of like a, anybody who came from the outside was, was like the ones that we dated and mm-hmm. yeah. And then it was always like the fix at school, like for, for our parents, for oh, parents, like would, would like, would like kind right. of put the, their kids in like, Oh, I'm just, just going to fix them. It's just going to fix them. And it was kind of like, yeah. Like, okay. That happened. And, that happened at our school also. Yeah, so that was a little bit rough sometimes because you'd be like, uh, and then they always make you sign some document that says you're going to be a good kid and whatever. And it's like this kid is, this kid comes in just like you know Greg over here. It's crazy. You know? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's a weird situation because it's the school they they send they for some kids it's the school that your parents send you to when they want you to like shape up like it's, it's a, a last resort like a military school or something like yeah. that i mean that's why my mom put me in there was because it was like hey you're not acting right i'm gonna put you in the school and they're gonna teach you i don't i don't know what ha- i mean the best thing that came from it was that i met tyler but other than that i didn't really i got in more trouble because it was just i didn't i didn't <laughs> 
I didn't change. Kind of stuck out more. I didn't really change. You know what I mean? It yeah. was just now a lot more rules. Yeah, but it, it <laughs> was. I don't think it was really unfair because I think if parents go out of their way to pay a tuition to put you in a certain school and somebody doesn't change, I mean, there's that structure, but. I would think now, like thinking about my kids and putting them in a Christian school or something like that, I wouldn't want them to have been around Greg in high school because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not uh, a good influence on what your parents are looking for. You know what I mean? But obviously they have set rules and things like that. But now I'm kind of curious, like, you know, you have kids now, right? Yeah. One, two. Uh, we, have, yeah, we have a daughter who's just about to turn three. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this might be a little too personal, but would you put them in private school or public school? Man, you know, I think it's just so specific to your child. So I don't have like a real, um, you know, I don't think that my kid has to go to public school or I don't think my kid has to go to private school. I think my kid has to go to the school that's good for my kid. Yeah. You know, I think it's just so specific to your, to your individual needs and your individual situation. I mean, schools in Oklahoma do not have a great reputation. Um, the school district that we're in, in particular, only does school for four days a week because they couldn't fund five full days of school. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's some, there's some, I mean, our teachers, your teachers just went on strike in Arizona, correct? Because yeah. ours did also like right before that. And so the public schools in Oklahoma have some challenges. So, yeah. you know, fortunately she's not near an age where we have to, we have to worry about that, but it's one of those things where when the time comes, I think you look at, at what your child needs and you put them where they need to be and you kind of make it, make it work. Yeah. I think, I think that's a, that's a good way to put it. I think you, depending on your kids, you have to adjust when the time is right. Mm -hmm. You don't really know until they, until you get to that point. It's like, you know what? You didn't really turn out the way that I thought. I think we should actually probably put you <laughs> in a private structure right. school opposed to a public because of these reasons. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I think the the biggest thing that Christian school is the is the safe environment, and that's what the parents like. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, because I used to tell my parents that I hated it a lot, and <laughs> it was, and you know, and I didn't really hate it, but like I, that's not true. I didn't when I was going through it. I didn't tell them that, but as, after I got out of it, I was kind of like I really didn't like it that much and there's a lot of things i don't think you guys saw and they definitely did not see it i mean right there's just as easy you know i never did drugs or anything like that, but you could easily get the same stuff you could get in a public school almost to an easier degree because you knew the kid to talk to like there's one kid in your class that can get you that you know not not 30 or you know it's not it was like no nope, one kid i know who he is and Every, everybody in the all the kids knew it i don't know if the parents were truly aware of a lot of stuff that happens and that was kind of like the big push between my, me and my parents was like no you loved it and i'm like yeah like sort of you like, didn't know I liked, everything i like some stuff of it and you know i liked being in the environment and i liked the surroundings and i liked a lot of the teachers and the youth pastor was still to this day one of the one of the biggest influencers on my life like i love that guy very much um but he's like he, I, I literally would go sit in his office a lot because I didn't want to be around a lot of the other stuff was going on. Cause I wanted, I mean, I was always good at surrounding myself with, with good influences. I think I have a really good BS meter, I guess. And I can figure out who, who I don't want to be around <laughs> pretty easily. Were you um, the, were you the goody two shoes of the group? Yeah. Probably. That was me too. Yeah, so sure. uh, we, we can definitely relate on that. <laughs> um. Yeah. But I never, you know, because I played sports just like you, it was never, I, I was always popular, but I never went to those parties. I never had to. Everybody right. respected me on a level where it was like, oh, no, Tyler's not going to – you don't don't even ask him. Yeah. And, and it was cool. Like nobody ever gave me crap for not going. It was just me and who I was. And I never like ratted anybody out because I knew – you know, it was kind of like a mutual respect of like, hey, you guys do your thing. I'm going to do mine. And 
you know, it is what it is. And yeah. that was, it was kind of a cool, I mean, I've always had the same mentality that I do now, which we bring to the business, you know, the empathy that I, that I carry through here. Like I've always had that towards other kids and I would, I was always the one that would stick up for people when they were getting picked on. I'd be the one that like, Hey, that's not, that's not cool. Like I remember one situation in particular where like these people were supposed to be friends and they're bashing really bad on this girl. And I was like, that's supposed to be like one of your five like core friends. And you guys are like rip, you know, and there were several situations like that where I would stick up for people that I didn't, you know, other people may not think deserve to be stuck up for. And I think that just carried me through pretty well. Like everybody kind of just respected who I was and that's not me bragging. That's just, I, I think is how it was and how, Greg and I became so close because it was just something that we were, you know, I think I was, and you can, I guess you can touch base on it. I think I was something people kind of came towards a little bit because I was just positive and cared about people a lot. And that's still curious to this day. So, you know, I don't know, you're here, you might have a different yeah, opinion. Yeah, no, we, I mean, we, <laughs> we talked about that on the last episode and you're saying that you can relate to that, mm-hmm. Megan. I think you can really relate to this part where, I don't know if I thought about it much when we were younger, but there's a ton of responsibility when you kind of make that choice to be a better student. Maybe if you, you know, a follower of Christ, all the things that you're doing, everybody is 24 seven looking at you. And unfortunately they're kind of looking for you to screw up so that it can be like, Oh, see, I told you like, he's not perfect. Yep. You know what I mean? He's yeah. just like everybody else, you know? And it's like, they put you in like this other category. And it's pedestal. like, dude, like I did, I did one little thing and it wasn't even that bad. You know what I mean? You do, you screw up a million times a day and it's not like keeping score here, but I think it's a, it's a double edged sword where it's like, you know, it's good to be good. But when you're in a small school, it's uh it could be a little tricky and you have to pay attention to that, I guess. And yeah. yeah and you and I, I think talked, have had several conversations like that, that, that to me is the biggest burden of being a good person is, mm-hmm. and that's the thing I think that you struggle with differently than people who get in trouble all the time is you carry this, this weight on your shoulders of like, I have to be this kind of person. And sometimes you don't want to be that kind of person and you do it. Like there's times where I was by myself. I was like, oh, this is this weight on my shoulders is crazy because everybody looks at me and, and wants me to fail. Like, you know, if people who fail, it's just like, uh, so that's what they do. But like, no, that's Tyler. He's, he's not going to do that. And the minute I failed at anything, it's like, yep, told you, told you you weren't that good. And yeah. that's, that's a really big burden to carry. And that's the hardest part that I don't think, and maybe you would relate to that if you were the goody two shoes. <laughs> that's the biggest thing, like where it's like, you know, you, and that's where the insecurities are. I think on our side of it is like, you have, to, that's the, where I was insecure with like, well, I have to be this person. 24 seven all the time I have to be on a game or I'm going to get called out on it. And it's, it's not fair is I mean, but it's, that's the hardest part I think of that, that being I, that person. I think looking back at that time, I was, I was probably pretty judgmental of people. Cause I mean, I came from a pretty idyllic life. I mean, I had great parents and a great family and you know, I school was easy for me. I know I was good at sports. Um, you know, I feel like that time in life is like life could not have been any easier at that point than it was. And I think the older that you get and the more life experience you have, I think just the more compassion and empathy you have for people. And I, I definitely see that for me. You know, I went to college and I had some different life experiences. I made some mistakes, did some stupid stuff, dated some stupid people. And I think you kind of, um, you know, you make those mistakes and I think you just have a lot more compassion for where everyone is at their, where anyone is in their life and just, that you can't 
maintain that perfect standard all the time. And I think, you know, living through some of those experiences makes me, you know, just see people differently. And I, I really try hard now um, when I'm dealing with somebody, you know, maybe someone who's being mad over something I don't understand, you just kind of trying to put myself in their place and understand, you know, where, where they're coming from and where that anger is really coming from maybe. And that and it's probably coming from a place of insecurity, um, you know, with their job or with whatever position that they're in. And so, you know, it just kind of, yeah, I think you kind of go through that evolution as you, as you grow up where you're like, okay, I, I understand what's happening here. So you said that you were kind of more judgmental. Are you saying when you were going through it and you were in school, you could have been a little bit judgmental where kids were acting out or a certain way and you were just like, absolutely what is wrong yeah, with you? Yeah, exactly. I just, I just didn't understand it because to me things were so black and white, like this was right and this was wrong. And, and so, yeah, I just didn't really get when people would, would do the bad things. I just didn't understand why they would do that. It just didn't make any sense to me. And so, I mean, now as an adult, you, you have, you just kind of understand more like, from a mental and emotional perspective, why people behave the way they do and why I've behaved some of the ways that I have. And you kind of just understand that a little bit more. So did your parents, uh, ever share any stories about how they grew up? Yeah. Um, so my, my parents were high school sweethearts. They, um, they met when they were, when they were really young and they, they could not have, you know, more different family upbringings. You know, my, my mom kind of had a similar situation to me where her, you know, her parents were together and, you know, they had a, you know, good stable home, um, where my dad maybe didn't have that as much. There was a lot more chaos in his, in his situation and growing up. Um, and I think in those situations, people take on different roles. And so my dad took on kind of the hero role in his family where he was the one where he was going to, um, make everyone think about his family in a different way because of the things that he did. So he was the sports star. He was the football star and the baseball star. And, um, he played, he played football at the university of New Mexico, which I think another one of your guests also did, which I thought was so funny. Yeah. Cause who plays football at UNM? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, different. Fred. Fred. Yeah. Well, Fred and Butch. Well, different decades, I'm, different decades. I'm pretty sure. Um, but, but yeah, and so that was, it's funny because I think your parents try to protect you from some of that too. And so, you know, you knew that my dad had some hard times in his family and he knew that, you know, he did some knuckleheaded things growing up. Um, but I think a lot of that changed for him when he, when he met my mom and when he started going to church, to be perfectly honest, um, that kind of was a turning point, turning point in his life. And, um, you know, he, he had some people who really stepped into that gap, um, I think probably kind of like your guys' situation where he had coaches and people who stepped in and made sure that he was fed and told him that he was loved and, you know, made him feel um, special and like he mattered. And it made it, it made a big difference. When my, when my dad turned 60, my sister and I did this project where we um, collected like 60 notes from people from throughout his life. And so we went way back, like coaches yeah. and like, family and awesome. you know people he used to work with and and some and those stories were really eye-opening and endearing and and reading through some of them you know like my dad's old football coach he read whatever he wrote I don't remember exactly what the guy said but I remember my dad putting that note down and being like that was the first time that a man said that he that he loved me and you know it was a really important thing like that that was that was okay and it was you know it, it was it was really a, it was really a cool thing and so that is um, really cool. And that's, 
I think for anybody that experiences not having other people say that they love you or something like that, it's really weird and you don't even know mm -hmm. how to interpret that. You don't know, like, I feel something. This is like weird. I don't, nobody, <laughs> I didn't grow up with that kind of, you know, because there's a lot of people that don't grow up with that, yeah. that hug and maybe a kiss from your mom on the cheek and the I love you and the, you know, kind of how you guys, the way you guys, you know, grew up. It's kind yeah. of, to me, I think that's a little bit more uncommon um, in the world right now. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because my dad could not be more opposite than that. Like my dad is the most, so he's, he's a guy's guy, manly man, whatever. But, um, <laughs> but he will, he will hug anybody. He will, he will tell the guys who work for him that he cares about them and that he loves them. And, you know, and he, and he means it like that's, that's so cool. Um, you know, he is, he is overt with his affection. And I think partly because it, it made a huge difference in, in his life. And I think he feels like, you know, that's something that he can give to other people and, you know, let them know that they're, that they're cared about and that they, that they matter and that they matter personally to him in that moment. You know, I think sports, like that's the one, the, the coolest part about it is, is that community and that understanding, you know, a lot of people shy away from sports because it's jocks and other things, but that's because a lot of the people that are in it are people that are hurt or, you know, are pushed away from other things. And they, they are drawn to this like team, like everybody is one moves as one team type of situation because you don't have that at home. You don't have that support and somebody actually caring about you and showing mm -hmm. you and, you know, building your self esteem. That's why sports are so popular and that's why they'll continue to be because yeah. people are drawn and not everybody plays sports. Like obviously I played it, you played sports is, but I think a lot of people are drawn to that and that's why this jock mentality is, is out there is because it, a lot of those people are harder and they're, they're not, not very easy to talk to because they just got a lot of stuff going on in life. And like you're saying, being judgmental, like as a young age, like that's, it's hard to do, not hard not to do that because you're like, what the heck? You know, like it's, it's, they, they just have hard lives and you don't understand that at a young age when you're, when your life and my life was, was so well like put out and placed, you know, because my, my parents did the same thing. My life was pretty pretty good yeah um so you know but but my dad my dad has a similar story to yours i mean that's he pushed so hard in the opposite direction where he wasn't gonna let his family be that and he wasn't exactly. gonna let his kids know you know go go through life thinking that you know he doesn't care about them and you know he's he's a little rough on the edges sometimes you know because he's just the way he was raised so rough and but he's but he's he's been in every game i can't you know it's funny was, he, he missed one game and that I can remember, and it's the only home run I ever hit in, in baseball. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. oh, that and, sucks. <laughs> and that's the one game that I remember. And he actually showed up later, but it was like I hit the home run in like the first or second inning, and he showed up like in the fifth or sixth inning. And it's the one time I can remember him being like, man, like I can't believe I missed that. Like I've been at every game. I don't, I don't give him any crap for it. But, you know, he's he was there for every every game, every event everything in our lives. And I, I mean, he, he drove an hour and a half, two hours in LA traffic every day and he somehow made everything. And that's like, you were talking, we were talking about earlier. That's pretty crazy. Now that you're a parent and a business owner and understanding that it's like, wow, yeah. man, I, but he pushed, he pushed so much in the opposite direction that he wasn't going to let that happen. And I think that mentality and that, that's that, that's that even the entrepreneurial spirit, but that's that drive that, that drives me in the same way that it's just like, you have to, 
you have to approach life that way and you, you make your own choices, you make your own path. And he's always taught us that. And I think that's really cool that that mentality is, is tough to find, but if you can realize like, no matter what you go through, no matter how you're raised, like you can be who you want to be. And that's crazy. And I think me personally growing up, I hated sports because I, I liked it at an early age, but now that I'm thinking about it, I was probably really envious of these kids that had these leave it to beaver families that, you know, their parents drove them to practice or they figured things out and you get so frustrated, you know, cause I've always been, I, I'm athletic. I was born that way. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to skateboard. Like all I need is me and this board. I don't need to be brought anywhere. This board will take me anywhere that I want to go. And I just did that. And I really enjoyed playing sports at school during PE and things like that. And even coaches were like, dude, you need to go, Mm -hmm. do something, dude. I've never seen you drop a ball, no matter how crazy it was, no matter how far you had to come back, you outrun everybody. You're quicker than, you know, everybody here. Like you should do something. Yeah. I'm like, well, you want to adopt me? You're yeah. going to take me to practice? <laughs> no. Yeah. Right. So, but you, you know what I mean? So I think having that chip on my shoulder until I got, you know, kind of more with Ty's family, um, it really, really made sense not being that way anymore because I had so many conversations with your dad and it was, he was so honest with me and I, and I love it because I could take it, which was the way you think, dude, like nobody cares. You hate sports because you're jealous of this and that. If you're jealous of it, dude, like change it, like change it. When you get older, remember that pain you felt and raise your kids up and do things right. Like take the time, no matter how much sleep you lose, whatever you got to do, like man up and freaking do it because yeah. I was promised when I was young, like, Hey, we're yeah. Yeah. Quit bugging us about it, but we'll sign you up for baseball. Like, you know what I mean? And it was like, it happened and you know, I'm not gonna be able to take it to practice. Not going to be able to do this. Not going to be able to do that. Yeah. And, um, I remember I actually like, I went to practice, but it was like, I couldn't make it to everyone cause I couldn't get a ride all the time. And one time I finally, I just got a skateboard and I was, uh, I was supposed to go to baseball practice and there was a skate park there and I actually ended up just going to the skate park instead. And then I just kind of got mixed up with probably some of the wrong people. But I mean, but it felt more like a, like a brotherhood or something. You know what I mean? Cause those people were like, mm -hmm. they got my back and stuff. Similar situations. Yeah. Too, yeah. No, they, that's the, that's the cool thing about skateboarding. You know, you guys probably don't know, but, <laughs> um, we all, we all, a lot of the friends I had kind of came from, even if their parents had money, they came from a broken home and they came from like, those weird situations to where it was like, this is, this is our outlet. You know what I mean? We're going to do whatever. And we lived in Vegas at that time. It was desert. So we'd be going, this is the craziest thing. I mean, it was probably this high. It was probably about a foot and a half off the ground and maybe like maybe two feet wide. And it was a tunnel that went under the 15 freeway. And that was the <laughs> only way you could get across it. And the skate park was on the other side. <laughs> and we did that every day. I mean, we walked like five miles up the road and then you just sat on your stomach and that was how you tested people because they'd be like, no, oh, dude, there's there's probably <laughs> spiders and stuff in that. Well, like, take your candy ass home. <laughs> I don't even know why you came. <laughs> Run across the freeway then. And if right. somebody wanted to do it, we're like, dude, dude, that's we do crazy stuff all day, but we're, nobody's running across the freeway. Like, I'm yeah. leaving. Uh, <laughs> that's something you just don't do. We're not that dumb. Um, but, you know, just being jealous about that kind of stuff and just putting that out there that sometimes you don't understand. You know what I mean? Because never understood what it was like to be in your shoes and vice versa. You know what I mean? And I think that's important to, cause I will always, 
me personally, I will always teach my daughters that don't think because you live here in Scottsdale or, you know, you have the opportunity to go to these schools, like don't, don't get big headed. You know, this is, you live in a big world and you need to feel like it's an honor to be in this country, no matter what's going on, no matter what the news tells you, no matter what is going on, like you need to feel freaking honored Mm -hmm. that you live here Mm -hmm. because I can take you to a third world country real quick and I'll show you what shit's really like. You know what I mean? Ain't no iPads, no air conditioning, no this, no that. They're just lucky if maybe they can get clean water and maybe a meal. Right. You know what I mean? They're not skinny because they're on some diet. And they got a photo shoot the next day. They're, right. they're skinny because they freaking, they don't have food. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's some, sure. that's some real life stuff right there. But I think it's interesting because, you know, you found that community for yourself. And I think people will, people do that. Like we all desire to have, to have that, to have those people, to have your people. And you're, I think you're going to, you're going to find that no matter, no matter where you're at in life. And I think it's the same as adults. Like you still need that community. I think business owners as well, you need that support and you need those people that you can, that you can turn to, which is why I think your podcast is so great. Cause I think you're trying to, trying to build that. And we're kind of trying to do the same thing with the magazine is that, you know, you need, you need help, whether you think it or not, you need those people who are going to understand where you're coming from and, and what's going on in your life, whether it's, um, you know, from a pool perspective or just from, you know, a small business owner perspective. So I just, you know, it's, it's interesting that you, you both found that just in different, in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. And was there any, <laughs> was that kind of, that was just your community though, was definitely the sports and all of that. That was your kind of outlet, you sports know, and, sports and church, man. Yeah, that was, yeah. that was my, that was my community, which when I went to college, that was really hard for me because because sports have been such a big part of my life and I probably could have still played in college if I'd really wanted to, but I was so burnt out from injuries and, you know, it just was not, I just couldn't keep that up. Um, but then I got to college and I was like, what do I do with myself? Like, I don't have to go to practice every day. I don't have a reason to go to the gym for a couple hours every day. Like, what am I supposed to do? And not only that, I moved from North Dakota to Phoenix for college, which, you know, couldn't be any like bigger of a switch. And so that was that was a really that was a really hard transition for me going to college because I just didn't know what to do with myself. And I didn't know who I was if I wasn't the athlete anymore. And so I kind of found myself like looking for like what's my community going to be now? And, And I went to I went to Grand Canyon University, which is a private Christian school. It is when I went to Grand Canyon, it was not the big thing that it is today. I was going to say, I really like their commercial. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of a weird thing. Like I'm a little, like, it's a little embarrassing in some ways because it's like this big kind of for-profit thing. Now, when I went there, we had like the asbestos dorms, like it was, and, and little did I know when I went there that they were out of money. Right. I mean, you know, I, I go into school there and, you know, my sophomore year they got bought and it was this huge transition and it was very strange. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it's not what it is. It was not what it is today. I stayed even through the transition though. And that's where I, that's where I ended up getting my undergraduate degree. But while I was there, you know, I just didn't know what to do with myself. And I had a a photography professor who was in charge of the school newspaper. And she said, she was like, you should give this a try. And I mean, you know, the newspaper kids were the nerds, right? Like I was, (laughs) I was the athlete and and they were the nerds. And I was just kind of like, I don't know, man. 
But the nerds win. Well, yeah. The nerds win. <laughs> the ner- Is there the going to be any other cool kids? Yeah. In yeah. yeah. Or am I going to be the only one? <laughs> the nerds win. The nerds win at life. They're yeah. The ones so you, that, want, you want me in here because you want to write about me, right? <laughs> I think a lot of people go through that transition you went through being an athlete because, you know, being an athlete ends at high school for pretty much everybody yeah, yeah pretty yeah. much everybody pretty much everyone and that's great it's rough because i just went through the same thing i think that's why i jumped into the church thing 100 percent and moved out to arizona because i was like this is the only other thing i do yeah and to me that, that and probably why you went to christian college because you knew that like well this is at least a community that i know and the sports is over i'm i'm done with that and that's crazy a lot of people a lot of people go through yeah that, and it, finding well, and your identity after sports yeah and it's hard it's it's hard because i feel like as a woman people don't expect that to be my story and i don't Sometimes I don't think it's validated because, you know, girls aren't supposed to like we're, we girls don't dream about playing professional sports because that's not really it doesn't really exist. I mean, it does. But, you know, yeah, it's so, either WNBA or right. like college softball. And yeah, if you're lucky, you play in the Olympics. Yeah, like, exactly. Like and, yeah. And so I think yeah. I think little boys that ever like grow up wanting to play professional sports. Like, I think that's sure. just kind of how you're wired. And so I think it's people don't really understand that that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. But that was, but that's, that's what it was. I mean, it was really hard. I think you really, you know, I really value being a part of a team and I didn't have a team anymore. And I just was like, I don't, what do I do? Well, I found my team in the school newspaper guys. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. Like I, I loved it. I loved, um, why were you invited? Why would they think that you would be a good fit? I don't, I don't know. I just think that what, for whatever reason, that professor just saw something in me that, she thought that would be a good fit. I was a I was an English literature major, and so I was I could write. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know why she was just like, "Hey, you should talk to this guy and and join the school newspaper." And everyone was really cool, and it was really fun, and it was that team atmosphere again. You know, you're in there working until midnight to put the paper out the next day, and yeah, yeah. and I just really connected with that kind of aspect of it, and and I really I really loved that, even though for someone as shy as I was doing journalism is journalism is terrifying because I have to call people and talk to them. <laughs> yeah. And I would rather not have to do that. Um, so that was, so that was, it's funny that that's what I ended up doing as a career because there's like nothing could be further from like my innate personality. Um, but I just really loved having that, that team atmosphere again. And then just putting, creating something like that was also really it was really fun and interesting and that that creative part of it was something that I really enjoyed so was there anything besides obviously doing that because it sounds like you kind of fell in love with you know being the newspaper editor and things like that was there anything else during college that kind of helped really shape who you were going to be after you left college and you were because obviously at that point you know that okay, once I'm done with this, I'm going to have to find a career path and start working on, you know, doing that. Yeah. So I kind of came to the journalism thing a little bit late. So when I, when I went to school, I was an English literature major and then I had a, I was getting a minor in music. Actually, I play piano. And so that was what, um, so that's what I was doing. And so I think I was a junior when I switched my under my minor to journalism. And so when I got done with, um, I had some internships here in the Valley um, at a magazine, at Desert Living Magazine. I don't think it exists anymore. Do you guys, you guys ever see I've that? I've heard of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really liked that. I really liked the idea of doing magazines. They seemed really fancy and, and sexy. And I thought that was just super, super cool. So yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I want to do magazines. That'd be great. Um, but I felt like when I when I 
graduated from college, I just didn't have just a ton of experience. Um, I felt like I still there's, didn't know a lot about how to, you know, write or edit or interview or all that. So I kind of felt like I needed more education. Um, and so I applied to some master's programs, um, and I ended up going to Northwestern up in Chicago or in Evanston, Illinois, and I got my master's in journalism from from Northwestern. Oh wow! Yeah, so I that was good for you. Uh, thank you. I it's I mean my parents were always like big on education. Um, it's kind of those things now where it's like, could I have spent fifty thousand dollars on something better than a master's degree? That maybe. You know, but um, but it's paid off now and whatever that's that's done. It was it was it's an experience I wouldn't trade for anything, even all the money that it was. Should have um, got a sports car. <laughs> I mean, really, I could have I could have had a couple cars for <laughs> that amount of money. Um, but it was it was a really great experience, and I and I really enjoyed that time, and I learned a lot, and I met a lot of really cool people, and um, you know, living in Chicago was a really fun experience, and I I that's it's a great city, and. Um, yeah, that must have been a huge transition going from <laughs> North Dakota to Phoenix I know. to Northwestern at what, what's it? Chicago. It's in Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a little bit of because, I mean, Chicago is like yeah. definitely its own little world. And so is Phoenix because we're just kind of this melting pot of everything <laughs> under the sun from all over the world. People come here. You yeah. know what I mean? So you definitely are probably really kind of diverse in being around different types of people and situations. Yeah, it's it was it's. It was different. Yeah, it's it's I think it's good to have lived in these different places because, yeah, you get a whole new perspective on on people. And um, I think that with some of the things that you see in the news and and going on everything now, um, I don't know, I feel like I have I have a lot of empathy for a lot of different sides of issues just because I think when you live in different areas and you experience different things and, um, you know, see a lot of ways of how different people live, it just kind of opens your eyes you know, like, I mean, Phoenix and, and Chicago, they're both big cities, but they could not be more different. And the people who live there couldn't be mm-hmm. more different. And the way they experience life couldn't be more different. And so I just, you, you learn a lot. It's really, it was really, it's, it was a really interesting time. And now I'm in Oklahoma of all places. So <laughs> just all over the place. Going to be in Hawaii next year. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I wish, you know, when I, when I was graduating from, when I finished my master's program, I thought oh, I could move anywhere. And Hawaii was definitely on my list. For sure. Yeah. It's so cliche, but Hawaii is freaking awesome. Yeah. It's it yes. like the most beautiful place ever. <laughs> so cool. It's pretty great. Yeah. And North Northwestern's, I mean, huge journalism school, right? I mean, I, I know mm-hmm. like crazy, a lot of the, you know, professional sports broadcasters and there are a lot of that's a lot of yeah. northwestern so that's is that yeah. why you kind of picked that school or man so i there? yeah i had a professor in in college and undergrad who um you knew some people there and so i think that's why i kind of heard of it i i think i applied to three schools syracuse and northwestern and mizzou uh, mizzou has actually, actually also has a really good journalism program so syracuse yeah, 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 and so I got into Northwestern and Syracuse, and I, I ended up going to Northwestern because it was just a one year program. They just go like all one year, and you're and you're done. Oh, yeah. Which for a master's yeah. degree is very great. difficult. <laughs> well, and it's great because it's like I mean, who really wants to do two more years of school? Yeah. Like I was good at school, and it's not a, like a smart thing. It's like a, I was really good at figuring out what my professors, what my teachers wanted, and could give it to them. Yeah, right. <laughs> like Me I'm, too. I'm good at that. I'm good at like meeting expectations. Sure. <laughs> not you know, it's not necessarily like I'm super smart. It's just like I I know what you want, so. I'm I'm going to give you exactly that. Yeah. Um, you figure out the system. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm good at that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was, it's, it's cool to go to a place like that because 
I mean, it's this beautiful like campus, which Grand Canyon isn't. Um, it's much better now, though. It is. It is. Yes, I. Mean, I yes, they have for the sure. new new you know GCU arena, and obviously yeah. Dan Marley is like the coach, and it's like mm-hmm. a huge deal now. But yeah, before yeah. when you went there, it was pretty pretty small. Yeah, I mean, I was shot at one time outside of campus and you know, the <laughs> helicopters would fly over and shine their lights on us as they were looking for people. And Did you say you got shot at There's or? someone shot at our car. I don't know. What? Yeah. I don't know, man. I was just, it was, you know, <laughs> it's just throwing out some it's random not crazy like the, story. It's not, <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not the best part of town or no, it wasn't. I, I mean, is it it's still, is, not, it's still like not. Okay. I didn't, I don't know if it is anymore, but you say it's not, it wasn't then. I mean, it doesn't sound like it it's is obviously better, but it's yeah. still, still not the greatest. Yeah. It, yeah. And I just, stupid girl from north dakota I don't, what did i know we're just driving <laughs> around at night and yeah. someone shot at us i i don't didn't even realize what had happened until my boyfriend at the time was like that was a gun it's <laughs> <laughs> like what's your problem that's probably, well, I, perfectly yeah, normal i hope like, well, my parents don't listen to this because i don't think i've ever told them that story oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't want them to know that <laughs> Everyone's i'd still be alive. so pissed if i heard something it's like fine. that from i mean they kids. bought they bought a lot of the property around it so it's much better for sure do you know if the is the dim sum place still there though or did they buy that too because what's a dim sum place dim sum it was the Great Wall. It's like the best dim sum in Phoenix. I don't even it was know what right is. next door to. Is that oh. food? That's food. Yes, guys. I don't no. know what that is. Oh, I never heard of that. Just a basic boy. <laughs> mm. Well, I was too until they bought a lot of it. You know, but... in college, I had a friend, and he was he was from LA, and he knew all the stuff, and he what took is us it? there. It's like it's it's just like they they push the carts around, and they like give you like it's. Like, dim sum? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to do some research here after this. Uh, yeah. I, have, I have never, ever heard of that. Really? There's a place in there's a place in Chandler that's also really good. Oh. But the Great Wall, and it was like, you know, on the weekends in this terrible neighborhood in Phoenix, that car would be full of, that parking lot would be full of like Mercedes and Lexuses and really? all of the, all of the Asian people in the area and Phoenix would go there for brunch because it was delicious. Oh. Dim sum on deck. Come and get it. Yeah. Well, so it's obviously Asian food then, right? It yes. Asian yes. cuisine. Yes. Asian cuisine. Sounds amazing. Probably the proper way to say it. It's, I'm going to go eat it after this. You should. It's it's delicious. <laughs> I don't know if it's still there. I'm imagining I they not. probably bought the Probably. That, property, makes, that makes me sad. Yeah. I mean, it was within walking distance, so it's probably gone now. <laughs> I remember they had a lot of pushback from certain business owners and that, but I'm pretty sure they have everything around the property now. Probably. But. Yeah. Less drive-bys. That's good. It's <laughs> an important thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that arena, I mean, that arena is really nice. It's, it's, well, I saw, I always see the commercial. It looks yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah coming, coming off the airport today, right on the screen, you know, they got mm. their big, their big, uh, little ad there. They've, that's made them a lot of money. And I mean, they do concerts and yeah. all kinds of stuff there. It's, it's been good. I mean, what, I mean, you wouldn't think that when you're looking for colleges that you should investigate the financial stability of your school. I mean, that's not something yeah. that you think about, but I mean, we went away for Christmas break and the school was bought. And if it hadn't been bought, we would have come back and it, the school, I think, would have closed. Yeah. So we would have all shown up and not had a school to go to anymore. So, you know, right or wrong, like there was a lot of, I mean, can you imagine the drama on campus at that time with this new company and the I'm sure kids and, and, and professors? School. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Christian well, school and like, drama. and some people, some people lost their scholarships. Like they didn't honor mm. all of the scholarships and stuff. And so I, I had a full ride, which is why I went there. And fortunately, mine remained. But a lot of people, yeah, they lost their scholarships, so they left. And, and a full ride for academics. Mm-hmm. Wow. I was going to ask that's why pretty you, impressive. Why you went there? It seems like a random. Yeah. Well, that's not being. 
that's why i mean i feel i've there was a couple i was looking at some schools in like um the minneapolis area and i was i was going to go to one and then they called me and said they had the scholarship and i you just don't is that midwestern isn't there like isn't that what that one is I forget Minneapolis has that Christian school. Uh, well, Northwestern, but I think the Northwestern. yeah, Northwestern's kind of the big That's right. Christian college in, in Minneapolis. The one I was looking at was actually Bethel. Bethel, yeah. There's mm-hmm. a lot. There's a lot of schools like that. Is. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a great school, and I was going to go there, but um, you don't turn down free tuition. No. And the funny thing is, is my mom had actually looked at GCU when she was looking at colleges, and she ended up at NAU for a while before she ended went back to UNM where my dad was. Mm. So just, she was she was the one who was kind of like you should check this out. Nice. So <laughs> much rather go to NAU. Well, I mean, when you yeah. grow up in a Christian school, like most people don't know that, but that's what you you, you got GCU, Bethel, um, Vanguard, and some other. There's, there's a few. Some, there's some Biola. Biola. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's some, some few that uh-huh. you, you only have a select few choices. Liberty for full rides, anyways. And, the, and they, yeah. I think they tend to give those more to people who go to a Christian school. So that's that's what you look at when you're in Christian school. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you're not good enough at sports to go to the real schools usually. <laughs> <laughs> You think you're like a great athlete until you go play against, you know, public schools and get whooped. Yeah, for sure. I remember we played, remember in baseball, we played that one team. It was like, like 22 to one or something. I don't know. I left after the second inning. That was, went and got something to eat. That was my entire high school experience with, with basketball. Our basketball team was horrible and we got beat by like 20 points pretty much every game. And I would score all of our points. I mean, it was awful. It was awful. Volleyball, we were, we were competitive, but our girls' volleyball team was really miserable. good when we when we were in high school. They were like, you know, they went to like the championship one year and some other stuff. But yeah, our basketball teams were, were rough. It was, <laughs> they were, I mean, I played on it. I was the point guard star of our senior year, but it was just really. I mean, even if I averaged whatever, I think I averaged like eighteen points a game, but it was like pff, we still got blown out. I mean, we lost yes. by sixty points yeah. one time. I I remember, I mean, those, was, and those were other Christian schools. Like we we weren't playing public schools. It was like <laughs> other somebody Christian throw a schools. punch, do something, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I had a couple incidents like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had a sports temper. Yeah, I remember grabbing some kid's face and shoving it mm. in the middle of a game. That was that was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get him. Oh yeah, I remember getting thrown down on the bench. Oh, remember a football fight? A football fight was crazy too. Oh yeah, our refs actually left. The they game. left the game. Oh no, you're one of those schools. <laughs> no, we weren't supposed to be. But yeah. you should talk. My husband has a lot of stories like that. <laughs> raising Kane during the games and all shenanigans. Yeah, there was a. Yeah, I mean, I think what happened was our uh, one of the wide receivers' helmets got stuck with a the defense. They got stuck together. They started like doing this weird thing, and it became this huge fight. And we were winning by like thirty points or something. So they just called just the called game. The it game. was like at the end. It was in the fourth quarter already, and we ended up winning. But it was like it was interesting. And we got. I mean, you got thrown on the bench. We got we got tossed all around by the coaches. Like because <laughs> uh, I was the first one to run out, <laughs> and then and then everybody else went after me, and I shoved the kid, and then Obi came out of nowhere oh, yeah. and grabbed me by the collar and dragged me all the way back to the sideline. Yep. And, dude, my butt was sore for like a week, dude. i never been thrown <laughs> on a bench so bad in my life. But I remember, like, after all that happened, and we had lunch or whatever we do after the games, we were in some other city, but they they are like, hey, Greg, come over here. I was like, what's up? I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry. What else do you want? You know? <laughs> and they're like, hey, they're like, dude, just want to know, like, you think you did the right thing by, like, sticking up for your guys. They're like, it's, but, you know, this person was here. You got, you know, proctors and deans and all these other weird people here. They're like, we have to, like, 
you yeah, know, we can't let that happen. Yeah, I was gonna ask if you got, did you guys, if you guys got in trouble for that, or was uh, it? We got a really you got in, crazy like hell week thing. Yeah, because I feel sure. like at our, I mean, <clears throat> we didn't have anything like that, but I feel like if that had happened, we would have been in big trouble. Being the Christian school and yeah, you know, to set an example and I think it all aff- that affected <laughs> something with maybe the next season or something, maybe or playoffs or something. With what? Like that. Sorry. Like that fight or whatever, whatever happened that day. I thought it'd affect like something with the playoffs or something weird. Well, I think the game went under protest or something because it didn't finish. But yeah. we, ended up, we ended up getting the win, but we were up by, I mean, 30 points or something. So. <laughs> it was a good game. Good game. Um, <laughs> so anyway, you had a lot of fun, man. The football, the high school sports were super fun. Yeah. Even our senior year was just really a lot of fun all around with sports. Yeah, if you could go back and change anything, it would have been fun to go back and maybe take that a little bit more serious. I mean, def- I mean, definitely me. I didn't know anything about it, but yeah. I, I didn't realize how fun that really was until yeah, you know, it was too to, late. I've talked to you a lot, like a lot about it. I think if I actually had a real coach in basketball, I could have probably got a full-ride scholarship to probably one of the Christian schools. But yeah. you know, I didn't, I didn't take it seriously enough to where it was like my life. You know, I was kind of, I should have pushed harder and. But, I mean, obviously my life is what it is now because of it. So, I mean, it's changed everything. But, I mean, I, my senior year of basketball was freaking nuts. I had whooping cough, and I played through what? I played through whooping cough. Remember, because we, we, we had this so apartment. Annoying. We had this apartment out back that we, we stayed in together. My parents' house had this, like, mother-in-law quarters that my dad built for my grandma. But she was – my grandpa – survived a lot longer than we all thought he was going to so she never ended up moving there but he built it for that reason but we lived in it and then yeah i had whooping cough and i played three games with whooping cough i broke my finger my thumb and i didn't heal it because i i didn't want to not play because my senior year so i was like yep nope that's not happening and just all kinds of crazy stuff like that so did but, you guys have like actual paid coaches because our coaches were always volunteers and they weren't or, paid or teachers. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. And so, so like for girls basketball, we were terrible, but every year we had a new coach and so yeah. we could never get any momentum because yeah. every year we'd have someone new and trying like, to teach you different we had things. People who like could hardly dribble and yeah. it was like, they're trying, you know, it was just like, <laughs> we, we, we needed someone who was, yeah, we just needed like the basics and we couldn't even like keep a coach. I mean, it was, yeah. from it my was understanding, bad. I think they got paid like a thousand dollars a season or I mean we would like the like, parents worth it. the parents would like take up a collection at the end of the season and like yeah. give the coach some money yeah but yeah it was I mean it's, it's such a huge commitment and those guys yeah. man but I my my volleyball coach we were like he was a dad and then his kids daughter graduated but um we had gotten so close that he was going to stay I and mean, he kept coaching until I graduated and then he was done because he's like I'm not gonna leave you now which, yeah <laughs> it was it was cool I mean he was we were really close and um you know I still kind of keep up with them when I can. Yeah. But yeah, that's, yeah, yeah that's the big well, difference football, between think, private school and public school. Yeah. I think OB, I mean, he was a football coach. He, he was, we had a good relationship with him. He was, he was pretty good. Just didn't have like, I don't know the support. He didn't have a staff. You know, we, we yeah. didn't have like Scottsdale Christian to me. I, I came here and I was, I watched some of their games and I was like, man, you have, they have a regular oh. coach, a defensive coach, an offensive coach. And I'm, I'm like, what is this? I'm like, this no. is crazy. Quarterback like, coach. Quarterback coach. There's like four or five coaches on that sideline because my, uh, my wife's like worked with somebody who's one of their coaches. And we used to go to the games. And he's, <laughs> that was crazy. He's bringing back crazy memories for me. But it was like, man, you guys have like all these people. Oh, yeah. And they didn't have a quarterback, which made me more mad because he ran the ball like 100 times in a row. And I was like, man, if I played here <laughs> – 
<laughs> when uh, we do some like we do some custom design work for some people, and we do it for some of the private schools here. And, oh yeah, and and yeah, we do like their sports books for them, and those programs are nuts. I mean, that's yeah, that is not my experience of a private Christian school is having facilities that are multi million dollar and like Notre Dame having, prep and and Brophy. I those mean, are yes, those are exactly <sighs> the schools that we do. Yeah, I drive by that football <laughs> field every day. Oh, I used to to pick up Weston, and I would just be like. You gotta be kidding me. That's a high school it's unbelievable. football field. I yeah. know, it's amazing. Stadium. Like it's unreal. It's a stadium. Yeah, yeah it <laughs> is a stadium. Yeah, yeah, it's been really interesting working with those schools and seeing some of the behind the scenes things that go on. It's it's a whole other world that I know nothing about. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they're even their like newspaper department, other part I mean that Oh, they have like pretty cool. Well, and like they're just their whole like STEM kind of stuff and and like they have a whole they have a whole entire building devoted to robotics and mm. i mean it's just unbelievable like yeah. i mean i can't imagine i mean i mean I guess I'm, that's a big city christian school right I mean, yeah I'm, i mean i'm worried about like is my child gonna get five days of school a week right <laughs> <laughs> they need to implement the pool service program at these schools you know? i think there's a lot yeah. of kids out there that you know really dream and aspire to you know clean pools for a living <laughs> Maybe we think, might, might want to cut that out uh, yeah Oh, I think there's something to, to having like trades for sure. Or Being like part of it, or some or type even, of like trade program where you can learn skills or even that. like a fight like financial literacy. Yeah. You know, like, can you imagine how valuable that it would be to like an, an entire generation if they knew how to like manage their finances and run that part of their life? Because that translates to business too. like yeah. no matter what you do, you need to have those skills and no one knows what they're doing. Yeah. Oh, budgeting Nobody. is applied everywhere. Yeah. Has to be in your personal life, has to be in your business, has to be everywhere. And it's crazy that 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 wasn't no matter where I went to school, nobody ever talked no. about any of that no. stuff, no. like real life skills. Yes. Like, there's nothing or just, you know, like how to how to what kind of insurance you should have or, you know, saving for retirement and like what is yeah. a 401k and what's an IRA and like that kind Even of like stuff. how, how, how to write a resume, that. how to yes. do an interview, yes. how to like all that stuff. I'm like you got me dragging this baby around everywhere. I'm like, that's more important. <laughs> how the hell am I supposed to take care of this kid if I don't even know how to. You know, apply for a job it, or do anything. It, yeah. You're insinuating that I'm going to have a kid. And a know, job already. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm already just going to make it. Am I going to work here? But at least you know how to pick it up when it cries. That is yeah. true. I, I did learn that. I did learn that. I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> um, so after you um, get your master's from Northwestern, let's, you know, talk about what's leading up to you starting at Pool Pro Magazine. What was your first job, you know, right out of college? Yeah. Well, so actually... So when I graduated from from Northwestern, I, you know, I was thinking I didn't want to go to I mean, when you do the magazine program with them, I mean, everyone goes to New York because that's where the magazines are. But that was never my my desire. I didn't I did not want to move to New York City that I did not want to live in a 200 square foot box and spend three thousand dollars in rent. That was not that was not me. Like I really pictured myself at like a small like city magazine, that kind of that kind of thing. Um, I graduated from college from my master's program in 2007 and I did not realize being young and dumb that what was coming as far as the economy and what was already happening in the economy and so I graduated and I mean and print jobs were already tough to get um I mean that was that was already that was already a thing um but yeah I had I had no idea and so I graduate and I moved back to North Dakota and live with my parents and look for a job and my my boyfriend at the time, um, who's my husband now, he was still in Phoenix and I did not want to move back to Phoenix. I wanted to go pretty much anywhere, but here, you know, I applied for some, I 
interviewed for some jobs at um, in Denver and Des Moines, but was not finding a job. And it was, you know, just been a couple of months had gone by. I was getting kind of nervous. And probably the biggest fight that Aaron and I ever had was he signed a lease in Phoenix. And, you know, I figured that wherever I found a job, like we had discussed when, wherever I found a job, like he was going to move there and get a job and we get married and the whole thing. And so, you know, but the time came, like his lease was up, he needed a place to live and he signed you know, like a new year, 12 year lease. And I was furious. Cause I was like, I don't want to come back to Phoenix. Like, what are we going to do now? Like you've pretty much said that this is where we're going to be. And so I started looking for jobs in Phoenix. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it turns out that, uh, I, I interviewed with, with Dave, on the phone with Dave Wood, he owned Big Fish Public Big Fish Publications, who published the magazine. Um, and you know, no one. I think the other thing I didn't realize was, even though I would say to people on the phone, "I'm willing to move anywhere," you know, when you're in North Dakota and you're interviewing someone for an entry level job, and they're like, "Oh no, 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 I'll move there. I promise." Like, uh, that's not really. That doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, for you no. To do that. Yeah, no one's gonna really. No one really believes you, probably. And now that, I mean, and at the time I didn't get that because I really would have moved anywhere. It would, didn't matter. Um, I think North Dakota is a, it's just a state where people, I mean, I've never, that's one of the very few that I have not been to. And you just look at it like, does, I, is it even part of the United States? Hey, you know, like, <laughs> I'm surprised you know what a magazine is, country girl. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're talking about the same thing here. Right. <laughs> You're talking about gun magazines? Uh, I mean, all you hear, I mean, obviously we're Cali boys, but all you hear is like, you know, negative 55 degrees and like this crazy yeah. snowstorms and yeah. what's that movie? <laughs> Fargo. Yeah. <laughs> like that's all, that's all you ever hear uh, yeah, like, no, growing up about what North Dakota, Fargo is like the only thing anybody knows about North Dakota. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, except, except with the last oil boom. So, yeah, yeah. so my little town like went from 13,000 people and tripled in size in like three years. It was, it was totally nuts. Like it cost more to live in Williston than it did in New York city at the time because there was no housing and, and it was nuts. But yes, I get that a lot about, about North Dakota. Yeah. Um, but it's a great place to be from. And the people are lovely, and I, I really like it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's I mean, the same thing. With Oklahoma, to all those like mentalities, right? I and mean, you're people that are from there are much more sweet. Like they're just easier to talk to. They have that homegrown feel. It's it's just a, it's a really cool thing. Yeah. That, that a lot of people don't understand or get. Yeah. And you know, my wife is from Minnesota. I understand. My my parents, my grandparents are from Kansas. Like. In a little great, great, great bang, Kansas, like one street, the house, that's all it is, is one street and everybody lives on the same street and there's a Walmart at the end. Like that's yep. it. And to me, like, you know, the Walmart is like the coolest thing. Like I would go there and spend like four hours in Walmart because there's nothing else to do. Oh yeah. And it's like, you know, all of our so Christmas presents came from, all of our Christmas presents came from Walmart. For like sure. it was, it was exciting though. We yeah. didn't know any different. We were perfectly happy yep. with that. Yep. <laughs> For sure. I mean that, but that, but that culture, I mean, it raises really good people and, you know, it's a lot of love and caring people. And yeah. That's, that's, but yeah, I definitely point. like the weather thing, though. I mean, <laughs> I went from North Dakota where, yeah, it's like 30 degrees below zero on a more regular basis than you want to admit. Yeah. And then I come here where it's, you know, 110. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember one time getting I went home for for um, Christmas and it was getting on the plane. I mean, it was like 30 below zero and it's so cold. It hurts to breathe. Mm -hmm. And then I landed here and it's like 70 degrees and perfect. And I'm just like, why would anyone ever live there? It's exactly. so, it's so <laughs> like, like, like the cold is miserable. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
extreme weather, like especially here yeah. in the summertime when it gets at its peak mm-hmm. and it's really hot, I can't help but feel like there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like this, ow, like yeah. this, this doesn't <laughs> seem like this should be, there's a problem. You know what I mean? Like sun's yeah. a little too close. Yeah. It's <laughs> well, and people go crazy. Like in the summer, like the longer the summer goes on and the longer it's over a hundred degrees, like people get a little nuts. That's when all, I feel like that's when all the, that's when all the serial killers come out. <laughs> We're like, that's the word on the street. Yeah. yeah. In the scary movies anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I mean, you know, I was here when we had like that crazy, like the baseline killer and oh, yeah. I like that serial shooter and, and that was like peak, like summertime. Oh yeah. Like the road rage happens. Like it's. Well, you heard about the most recent one, right? Yes. Dude. That was I, nice. I didn't know anything about it. My wife told me about it and I'm like, yeah. what the heck? Yeah, they you know he'd done himself over here at what some hotel off a of shay. Oh, I didn't know he was done. Yeah, I he's that was over. Oh, yeah, good. Well, yeah, I'm he glad quit that's over. forever. He's okay. done. Yeah, but yeah, that's just that. That's a freaking trip, especially here in your backyard. Like, what the heck? But yeah, you know, be you careful know what, what you're was, doing. <laughs> <laughs> when I I flew to Minnesota to ask my father-in-law mm. to marry my wife, and I had I had like jeans and a Under Armour hoodie. And it was like dead winter time. Mistake. Yes. And I like walked outside and I literally lost my breath. I've never felt that much pain trying to breathe. It was like, I think it was negative like 18 or something. You were like the guys from Cool Runnings? Oh, yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah. <laughs> when they first get to <laughs> I love that movie. Exactly. <laughs> I know. Pretty much. And, and then her dad just kind of patted me on the back, put his big old coat around me and like put me in the car. And I was like, yeah. I don't, I'm never going to live here. That is so cute. I wish somebody had a picture of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably like a sad puppy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you, Papa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's, that, that cold is, oh, I mean, that wasn't even negative 30. So yeah, it's, that negative 18 frigid, I'm like, man, I, I don't understand. Why yeah, I feel, you know, I feel like, I think I probably have said this to you before, but I'm such a weather snob being in Oklahoma because it's just, it just does not get that cold. I was excited to move to Oklahoma because I thought I would get four seasons again. And it is, but it's not what I consider four seasons. Like their winter is pretty mild, obviously, compared to North Dakota. Sure. And so I kind of forget sometimes. I'll be like, oh, it's 40 degrees. It's fine. And then I'm like, oh, I should have put my kid in a coat. He's <laughs> <laughs> out there in a diaper. Like, yeah, like I, yeah like, I, like I show up at daycare and I'm like, oh, right. People wear coats. Like, yeah. oops. That was okay. That's that was that's probably not that's yeah. probably not great. But then in the summer, his hair wet. Like, oh, we're in a rush. She just got out of the bath and we just came right over here and walked right over here. Yeah. Like, awesome. I just, you know, you just it's I, it's still an adjustment. And the same thing with the heat, like people talk about being so hot and in Oklahoma and it is a little more humid obviously than Arizona, but no, I mean, when it's 115 and it doesn't get below a hundred, even when it's dark outside, like that's, that's next level hot. Like it doesn't matter if it's humid. That's like, again, Mm -hmm. that's one of those like hurts to go outside and breathe. Like your whole body is just like, this is not for humans. It's unbearable. You have to get in and get out. That's why we (laughs) talk to our guys. Like, do we start cleaning pools Mm -hmm. Right, like when the sun comes up, get the pools done, do it correctly, and let's get done with the day because nobody needs to be outside. And I'm just recently finding out that my body's not really wired for the heat that well because I'll get like 24 <laughs> hour flu symptoms. Mm. Um, and I just went to the doctor because I'm like, did I get like body aches and I'm throwing up and all this stuff? And he's like, it's not just water. He's like, you have to like, you know, be careful because if you're not, if you're out there running around and doing this and that and you don't have, you know, electrolytes and, you know, different things like that. And it's like, really? Kidding me? Yeah, I got to drink Gatorade. Like, yeah. And I hate, <laughs> you like, I, mean, I have to drink it. I hate Gatorade, but I'd, I'd rather not yeah, drink Gatorade. Yeah, I don't Gatorade. like Gatorade that much either. Yeah. But so, you have to. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening so far. When we get back, we will jump into quite a bit more magazine discussion. So stay tuned for that. 
Real quick, I wanted to read a view from our Apple podcast. This review comes from Copper State Outdoors. He says, I got turned on to the podcast when I saw a local builder whom I have a lot of respect for was featured on the podcast. I just wanted to hear what he had to say and that's it. I had no expectation of actually enjoying the way in which the information was presented. I am not an avid podcast subscriber. I must say this podcast has made me want to listen to others and maybe even try an audiobook. I think what Tyler and Greg are doing is great for our industry. I feel if more people were willing to lend some of their knowledge to others as a community of pool professionals, we would all be better off for it. Keep doing what you guys are doing and keep striving to make our industry better every day. Thank you so much. We truly appreciate your feedback. It's so awesome to, you know, read these reviews from you guys and we just are so honored, you know, to help bring your voice you know to the public and request more information help us all share so thank you so much for that and we will jump right back into it after word from our sponsor what's going on everybody this episode is brought to you by jobber jobber is by far our favorite tool for collecting deposits payments scheduling customer jobs and assigning tasks to a specific person on our team if you're looking for a better way to stay organized this is it i don't even know how we did things before jobber If you have any questions, their customer service team is out of this world. Jabra is so cool that they are hooking up all of our listeners with a free 14-day trial. Just visit getjobber.com backslash poolchasers. That's getjobber.com backslash poolchasers. Try it out. We promise you won't be disappointed. So where were we at? I don't know. That was a good tangent, though. Yeah, that was a good. <laughs> yes. That was really good. Um, so, that was, oh, so that you was were what talking she did with after Dave. college. She talked to Dave. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, but so you know, I I told. I think I kind of. I think I told a white lie. I think I said that Aaron was my fiance, and I said even though we weren't technically, he'd asked my dad already if he could marry me, but he hadn't actually proposed yet. Um, and oh, so you just assumed. Yeah, I did. I did. Well, I mean, like, like he'd asked my dad and the man had a ring, but I think, he, I don't know. I don't know what he was waiting for. He was, I think he's waiting for me to like get a job and Probably. move somewhere. <laughs> before. Might have to support her like degree and her debt. Yeah. Ex- yeah. yeah. No, no kidding. Oh, he had no idea what he was getting in for yeah. with that one. Um, oh, I know. My wife's a teacher. <laughs> I have an idea. Pay that off and we'll talk. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think I told him that things. I think I made it sound like I was that that I was already moving down here. Like I just was like, this is not going to happen unless I'm like, no, I'm here, I'm coming. And so he was like, well, you know, if you're in town, come by and we can interview. And I'm like, when can I? W- let's set that appointment now. And so I came down here and interviewed with him, and and he gave me the job. And so I, you know, brought all my stuff back to Phoenix, which was not really my plan, but. Um, but yeah, it's funny. I mean, that was my first my first job out of grad school. And honestly, I was lucky to get any job and I was lucky to get that job. And, you know, there were times, you know, you're told that you can be whatever you want to be and do whatever you want to do. And I like, you know, I wanted to save the world and, you know, all yeah, that kind of we'll stuff. make a difference. Yeah, exactly. And so like that was kind of a struggle for a while because I was like, man, I, you know, my friends are doing this cool stuff in New York and I'm sitting in this office in Phoenix writing about hot tubs and pools. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know. Oh, man. It was Did you get razzed so from your good. friends? Uh, like, I'm, hey, what, you, what kind of topics are you writing about? I'm talking yeah, about global warming well, and I'm talking about like important politics yeah. stuff and you're, uh, you're talking about spas? Yeah, no, for pools? sure. I mean, <laughs> They wouldn't overtly say that, but like sometimes they'd be like, "So yeah, how are pools and hot tubs going?" Because you don't, because it's a topic nobody outside really no, knows absolutely. what to talk about. Yeah, it's like things are going good. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really glad things are. Good yeah, I like for you. I like hot tubs. They're yeah, warm. But yeah. you know, 
like Dave kept the business going through the recession and I kept my job. And so, you know, I think the the older I get and the more I look back on it, that was kind of an amazing thing. Yeah, that's impressive. For yeah. Sure. I, you know, we, we, he kept the business going and, um, you know, kept us all paid and, and I, there were times where I wanted to go and do something else. There were no other jobs. I was lucky to have the one I did. And so, so I stuck it out and I stuck it out long enough that I got to know the industry really well and got to know the people really well and really started to love it. And so it was, it's, it's kind of interesting how that, how that all, that all turned out, but and Aaron eventually did propose and we got married and (laughs) 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 we're still married almost 10 years later. Very cool. Congratulations. So, what is like the the magazine? How many magazines are there? And is there what is the name of the company that kind of hosts all these different magazines? Yeah. So the so the Dave's company, Big Fish Publications. Um, I just bought the magazines from him, not the not the company. So my company is called Kendrick Content, and we have we actually have four magazines in, in addition to Pool Pro. We have Pool Pro, we have Spa Retailer, we have Pool Search and Spa Search, and so Pool Pro and Spa Retailer are trade magazines for uh, the swimming pool side and then for hot tub retailers. Um, and then the other magazines are like buyer's guides that we, um, publish online for people who are looking for a hot tub or a swimming pool. Very good. And, you know, we were telling you earlier when we found this out, congratulations. I mean, that is a huge deal, you know, taking ownership of anything, but I mean, in particular a magazine, I mean, there's a lot of responsibility for especially this kind of magazine that has a reputation and has been around for a little while. Um, so that's, that's super cool. Thanks. Yeah. So what do you, what, what made you want to buy it? Like, why would you want to, I mean, obviously you must've liked it, loved it and you wanted to stay, you wanted to stick with it, but I mean, you didn't just stick with it and somebody else could have bought it and you could have very well just, you know, worked there, but I mean, you went the extra mile. (sighs) Yeah. You went the long story, the short story. (laughs) You need a a long story. (laughs) Um, it's kind of one of those weird things where I kind of it felt like the last the last couple of years in my job and just and personally that I was being prepared for something um, like just it was just a weird time. Like I could tell that Dave was ready to move on and do something else. Um, and he hadn't he didn't actually say that, but I could just tell by some of the things that he was doing and um, and some of the responsibilities that he was giving me that it kind of felt like he was preparing me in some ways to either take over the business or move on to something else. Um, kind of wanted to put me in a position where that would be, uh, an easier transition. And then, and then just personally, like, you know, we moved to Oklahoma and, you know, we had our daughter and, um, you know, I felt like there was more things that I should be doing just in my, in my life personally, like just kind of to give back. And so I did this project where I have a, we have a neighbor who um, is a disabled veteran and he needed a new deck on his house. And I was like, okay, I can get some people together and we can do that. I'm thinking like HGTV style, right? (laughs) That was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And it pushed me in ways that um, really pushed me outside of my comfort zone, like having to ask people for money and deal with other people's expectations in a way that I hadn't had to before. And like it, things went wrong, like found a contractor, he got started, he stole our money. We had to start over, you know, it was just, it was, it was hard, but the cool thing was, you know, it made me, it made me kind of get this community of people who helped me with that in our church and, um, even outside our church. 
And it was like, it was one of those things where I was like, I don't understand why this is so hard. And I don't know why this is, everything is going wrong. And I just kind of kept feeling like there is a reason that this is happening. And, you know, the deck deck got done and, and that was, that was a success in the end, even though it took forever and was super painful, but just kind of through the whole process and, and what was going on with work too, I'm like, man, this is just, this is a lot of weird stuff happening at once. Um, you know, we were trying to have our second child and that wasn't happening. And I didn't really understand why that wasn't like, just, it was just a weird thing where I'm just like, this, something's going on. And so when Dave told me that he was going to, um, he finally told me, you know what, I'm, I want to sell the business. Um, let's start talking about what you want to do next. And I was like, oh man, maybe this is what I've been, what I've been preparing for in this weird, these weird ways. Like kind of what some of this growth has been about was to get me ready for this, um, whatever this next step's going to look like. And he kind of floated the idea of like, you know, do you, would you be interested in buying the magazines? And it's like, yeah, I don't know that just, you know, I just don't think that's, that's for me. And it's like, okay, well, what do you want to do? You know, and he was really, um, the one thing I, I appreciate about him is that I knew that no matter, even when I was wondering if he was ready to do something else, I knew he wasn't going to ever pull the rug out from under me. You know, I knew I wasn't going to like call him one day or go into work and he'd be like, Hey, by the way, I sold the magazine and you don't have a job anymore. Like I knew that whatever he was dealing with it, he would never do that to, to us. Cause I, I just, I knew he cared about us a lot as, as people. And so, so he was like, I want you to, well, like, let's discuss this. Like, I'm not going to just sell this without knowing like what your next plan is going to be. Like, well, I'll help you with whatever you want to do. Like if that means you want to find another job with another magazine, or if that means you want to start your own thing, like, and that's what he was really encouraging me to do was to start my own business and, and do my own thing. And, um, and the more I thought about it, I was like, I think, I think that is what I want to do. Cause we work remotely. I have not gone into an office for many, many years and I could never do that again. Um, like he gave us a lot of freedom to just do our jobs and, and that's how we've always operated. Um, and so I was like, dude, you, I, you've ruined me. I cannot go into another <laughs> job again. Like I can't imagine, you know, having to like take time off to like get a doctor's appointment or things like that. I just, I just can't, I cannot go back to that world. <laughs> and so the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, I want to start my own business. And then I was like, and I want to stay in this industry because I loved the people I had, you know, 10 years worth of relationships. Um, you know, I felt like I really, um, I just, I really loved it. And so I started working on my own thing, trying to figure out like, what could I do on my own in the industry, you know, kind of thinking along the like content and writing lines and all that kind of stuff. And, um, but I just was not, it just wasn't coming together for me. Like I could not form like an idea that I really felt would stick. And the things that I did come up with, I was like, this would work really good in conjunction with the magazine. And also with that, like there were just things with the magazines that I still wanted to do. Like I still had plans and stories and projects and stuff that we talked about that I still wanted to work on. And so the more that I worked on starting this new business idea, um, the more I was like, I'm going to, I, I, I got to do it with the magazines. Like that's the only way that this, that this makes sense. And so Dave and I kind of feel like came to the conclusion at the same time. I think that was always his secret plan was for me to buy them, (laughs) even though he didn't really say that, um, but yeah, he finally came to me. He's like, Megan, this is stupid. Like, why are you not buying this, these magazines from me? And, um, and I had really been thinking the same thing. And so, um, and then, and that's when I was like, oh, this is what I was being prepared for. Like, this is why this was all, this was all happening was for this, this moment leading up to that. Yeah, yeah. it was, it really was. And it was, it was, 
kind of spooky how it all just came together. And then the same thing with the deal, like, you know, how all the funding and all of that was able to get pulled together and get worked out. I was like, it, it was almost too easy. It was just like this, this was it. Yeah. And that's even cool that you got to experience veering off to try and do your own thing because now you have a, not that you couldn't do it, but you have a sense of how difficult that might be to just start it's not, from scratch. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. To just jump out of something and start your own thing. I mean, it's, there's so much that goes into it and it takes many years to, you know, build a successful company. Um, and it's, yeah, it just takes a lot of work and a lot of time. And, you know, sometimes like you might've been better just to stay where you were at. Yeah. Well, and I think I, the hardest thing I was having to get over was just the sales aspect of it and then selling ads and all of that. That's something I've never done before. And I'm not super comfortable, you know, thinking about that or doing that. And so, but then the more I worked on my own stuff, I was like, I'm going to be talking to all of the same people, you know, all of the people that we are trying to get ads from are going to be people that I'm going to, to talk to about these other, other things that I'm putting together. And I mean, they would, they would talk to me, they know me, you know, but it just is so much more legitimate when I'm coming to them. We're already partners. We're already working on this. Let's look at doing this other thing too. Or, you know, it just, it was, I had, I already had to get over that hurdle of being afraid of, of sales. And so it just was like, all right, let's, you're, you're going to be doing this anyway. So let's do what we know. <laughs> right. And I mean, leading up to that point, going back a little bit, um, we had met you for the first time. This, this was kind of cool. Somehow we found out that you had, um, oh no. So we w- were like getting your magazine religiously when it came out quarterly or whatever, it was at SEP and we would go in there every time we saw it, we'd grab a few so that we had a magazine, our guys could see an issue and things like that. And we saw that one of our tweets was actually featured. Um, and we're like, Oh dude, that's so-and-so he's cleaning a filter. Now it makes sense because you're <laughs> in love with the filter, the filter cleaning things. process. Yes. I am obsessed with watching people clean. Filters. You were just like, Oh, <laughs> that is so cool. Uh, Zen. Um, so, we saw that and we were just so pumped on it. And then just reading through some different articles, um, there was a write up about reviews and I was like, Oh wow. Like that is really cool. And I loved everything that we had read and, uh, definitely felt compelled to reach out to you guys. And we sent over an email and it wasn't to you, but you know, just said, Hey, you know, we were, you know, you guys featured our tweet. Thank you so much. Um, we know a thing or two about reviews and we definitely think that we have some value that we could kind of bring to the table. I think people would like to hear some of our strategies and, you know, how we built things so quickly at brother's pool service. Uh. And he forwarded over and, you know, just, you're always so awesome and just got right on it and said, Hey, would you be up for this to be on the podcast? We're like, uh, what? (laughs) That's that's like something completely (laughs) different. And I mean, I was listening, I mean, I've always listened to podcasts for a long time now, but to me, that was like an honor and it was just really cool. I had a lot of respect for, you know, the magazine, Pool Pro Magazine and everything else that you guys do. Um, so we hopped on that and you got that all coordinated. We built that relationship and, um, that was, uh, was, you were really good on that podcast. We were, (laughs) we were a little rough. I mean, if anybody wants to go back in the archive, if you want to go back in the archive, you can listen to it. The spa Um, retailer podcast. There's my plug for our our hot tub podcast for all you pull service guys. (laughs) So when you open Apple podcast, what do you type in? Uh, this it's the spa retailer podcast, the spa retailer mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah. Okay, perfect. And we'll put that in the website blog episode page. So you guys will have all that yeah. stuff so you can check it out. Um, maybe just check everything else out. You don't have to necessarily hear it. <laughs> you but you guys, it just skip our audio. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, what you guys don't understand about that is that I like it's just so exciting to get any feedback on anything. I mean, like I mean, we talk about how hard it is to get reviews from people. I mean, it's the same thing for putting out a magazine. Like, it's hard to get. You feel like you're creating stuff in a vacuum. You you work really hard on it. You send this magazine out, and then you don't really know if people like it or they hate it. And yeah. I want to know if you like it or you hate it. And so I was. But how just, is like nobody? That must be a difficult thing because how? What is somebody supposed to do? Like when I get a magazine, mm-hmm. my and I have, I still, you know, subscribe to quite a few magazines that I love and I look at and read at, uh, read religiously, but I've never thought yeah. once that I'm going to be like, I'm going to write you guys and tell you how great of a job you're doing and you should probably add this to it. Like nobody would ever, I think, think to do that. I think oh. we say thank you by following you on Instagram and right. liking your Facebook page. And maybe if you're, you know, being real cool, you give them a little feedback saying, I read the magazine. It's super awesome. But other than that, nobody. Well, and it's funny because at the end of like every single one of our stories, it's like, if you have questions or comments on this article, please email at us. But yeah, no one, nobody does that. Like no one takes the time to do that. Um, But I mean, that was one of the reasons why I thought it would be kind of fun to come on this podcast because yeah, that feedback is amazing. And I mean, look at the relationship that it started for us. Like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you were on the podcast. We've, you know, written about you guys in stories in the magazine and, you know, people are always like, Hey, how do I get in the magazine? And how do I get on the cover and all that kind of stuff? It's like, it's not hard. Like, I just have to know you. Oh, we just have to know that you exist. <laughs> right. And there are thousands of pool companies out there, right. you know, and I kind of feel like we get into this, um, this loop of talking to the same people over and over again, because it's the people we know are going to answer the phone and have something good to say. So if you're going to answer the phone and have something good to say and are doing something really cool, then let us know. We would love to talk to you. I I mean, it's, it's, we talk about community and that's, that's a big thing. Like, you know, getting that feedback and the stories that we do that have been suggested by people in the industry out in the field every day are always the best ones, like hands down. And if we write a story that sucks, I want to know because yeah, that's, I mean, they're, they're actually, they're really good stories. One of my favorite stories was a gentleman and this is a really cool picture. He owned a pool service and repair company in Northern California. And I just remember seeing he, I think he might've been brushing or netting, but there was just, I think it might've been infinity edge and it was like, and it was like a, just green for miles. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was just, I got so much out of it. And, you know, me and Tyler were talking about different things because we're still coming up at this time. This was some years ago when this one came out, but we were talking about pay structure with our team. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of Q and a, um, kind of style in that write up. And it was talking about how, when he switched over to, I think paying them hourly opposed to per pool or salary, it made this difference because of this, Mm -hmm. that didn't really, that wouldn't really work for us, but we totally understood where he was coming from. And we're like, dude, that guy knows what he's doing. And all these, uh, there was so many good takeaways and the difference between, I mean, obviously, um, listening to stuff is incredibly valuable, but I mean, there was parts of that magazine that were like highlighted and different things like that because it's, it was visual. Um, you got to see the gentleman actually cleaning the pool and with his team or, you know, whatever, but you could highlight it and you could be like, yeah, you know what? I need to leave this on my desk. I need to leave this here. I need to circle back to this because I think this information is valuable. You know, the audio, we have show notes and things like that. I think we go above and beyond Mm -hmm. like putting so much content on the show notes, but you know, when you have a magazine, it's like, that's in black and white. This is what's going on. This is well thought out. This is a person that, you know, he knows what he's doing so we can all learn from it. So, you know, that one was definitely one of my favorites and I really got so much from that. 
from yeah. that issue. I mean, we we, you know, we only publish Pool Pro five times a year. And so, you know, every story is is important. Like every story needs to be val- valuable and it needs to like help people. That's our that's really our goal is to, um, you know, is to help people run a better business and, you know, provide them with as much information and be as much of a resource for the industry as a whole. I mean, I think, you know, like you said, like that didn't wouldn't work for your area, but I think it's still really valuable and interesting to hear what other people are doing in other parts of the country. And one thing I'd really like to do is we have in, in spa retailer, we have kind of a panel where we have different retailers from around the country at different levels. They have you know one store, multiple stores, and we ask them all a kind of a question in each issue and they share their experiences. And it's different depending on where they're at and what their structure is. And I'd love to do the same thing in pool pro where we've got people from different areas of the country and it's like, okay, well, how do you pay your guys? And so, yeah, for in Florida, it's going to be totally different than the Northeast. And, but I think that that kind of information is so, is so interesting. And I think it's still valuable, even if it doesn't apply to you. I think there's still things that you can, that you can take from it. And I know everyone's story is interesting and I love, I love talking to people and like you guys do and figuring out like where they came from and how they got to where they were and why they started their business and why they do things the way they do. I mean, it's, it's interesting and all of it is, is valuable and, and means something and matters. And I love, I love being able to do that. That's my favorite part of my job is, is being able to tell people stories and learn about them and talk to them. That is really cool. And you do an incredible job doing that. Um, you know, this is for everybody listening to this. You know, the only way we can truly make things better is if we speak up because we're in the place we're in and Megan owns, you know, Pool Pro magazine and some other magazines. But the only way that she can make that issue be the best issue it can be and have the right content in the magazine is if we all speak up and say, hey, I saw you talk about this. I think it'd be really cool if you talked about this because I know I've seen a lot of people that have similar questions that I do. You know, I think it's it needs to be talked about on the podcast that you are approachable and people can send you an email and you will respond because I definitely think we've made up our mind that because even when I sent that email, I definitely didn't think that I was going to hear anything back and it had nothing to do with you guys. It just has everything to do with you think of a magazine. It's a you don't think that somebody's going to get back to you. I'm like, Oh, that email probably doesn't work anymore. Or they have, you know, a million yeah. emails and it's just, nothing's going to happen. You but think of it as like the fan letters you used to send as kids, you know, like they're just going out in this place where this big machine is going to take it. And like, yeah, no, like we're, we're a small team and we, we answer all of our emails from like the emails that we get from people actually who read the magazine are the ones we probably answer the fastest. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, it would feel you know, after we got done doing the podcast with you, I remember feeling really good because um, me and Tyler were like, man, we did a really good thing. Like there's so many things that we didn't have to share because that is what's made us successful. But it felt really good that there's a lot of people out there that don't, they're so focused. And we know that we're very blessed to have two owners and we're good at two different things. So why not share the information? You're really good at cleaning pools Mm -hmm. and doing the repairs and all these other things, but you might not be the greatest at your marketing strategy and how to get good feedback and how to, how to seek after, um, you know, employees and doing different things like that. So we knew that it was really important and it felt really good that somebody would listen to that and it might've just changed their life. It might've made them not want to leave the industry. They've been like, Oh, that's all I had to do. Like, yeah, I'm a really nice guy. I never knew that I should just, after being nice and they said something nice to me, you're like, hey, would you mind putting that, you know, on a review? 
You know what I mean? You just said it like that feedback goes a long way. And that's how, that's how we feed our families. And that's how we do that and make it personal, make that personal connection. So, um, yeah, I think people are intimidated sometimes by the thought of like being interviewed and, and, you know, worried about saying the wrong thing or sharing information like, like, well, my competitor might see this. And I think that you guys have such a great attitude about it where it's like, yeah, your competitor may see it, but that doesn't mean that they can do it or that doesn't mean that they will do it. And, you know, it's a really about raising the level for everybody in the industry and, and making it as good as it can be. Um, because that helps, that helps everyone. Like, like you've talked about a lot with pricing and, and all of that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I mean, and also I, I don't, can't think of a single time that someone, you know, an article's come out and someone's been like, man, you really like screwed me over on this or, you know, that's not what I said. Or, you know, we don't, we're not out to like get anybody, you know, we're not trying to like, I think, I think people have this like negative view of kind of the media in general right now. And it's like, that's not what it's about. Like we're in this industry with you. Like we're not trying to like pull the rug out from anyone or we're not trying to do anything like that. Like we just want to, we just want to help and we want to be a resource. And so, but in order to do that, we got to have you guys talking to us. And so, you know, but you can always find something, but it's a matter of making it the best it can possibly exactly. be. That's where right. people are like, you can't come up with stuff. It's like, no, I want this to be tailored to fit your needs. I can go write about a million things in the pool industry. Yeah. But it's this is called, yeah, but this is Pool <laughs> Pro Magazine. Like how, how can I seek the right person to interview and how can I line this up that will talk to everybody right. you know what i mean and that's the most important thing and we totally get that because it's like dude we and we we've seriously seen this happening where the people that follow us on you know instagram and facebook and the people that are downloading the podcast they're they're good people and that's how we know we're onto something great because we're like dude right. there's so many there's so many more there's so much more good people in this industry it's just they've never they've never been able to be a part of anything and they've never They've never had a voice. They've never had a magazine. They didn't think that they could approach you. They didn't think that they could approach us. And now we truly know because people are starting to speak up because that's what we're advocating is, dude, it's okay. Speak up. That's what we're doing. Yeah. There's so many things that we don't know what the hell we're doing. We're just doing it. We're just doing it. And that's obviously what sets us apart a little bit is because we're not afraid of that, but we're trying to put everybody on that same level. So it's like everything you do in life, don't be afraid. Don't be yeah. afraid. Just just do it. What's the worst thing that can happen? You fail. And believe me, I love failing more than ever oh, yeah. because every single every single beautiful thing that we have in our life is because we screwed up somewhere and we <laughs> we true. took a step back and we got to ref, we got to reflect right. on that and we always made it better. Sometimes we make the same mistake cuz you know something about this mistake in particular that we like <laughs> doing over again, but you know it happens, but you know it, it's much better now that Pool Chasers is, you know, not just us two. It's a it's a big community and that's what we want it to be. Right. Where you got questions, we've got answers, and that's the type of vibe. We bring each other up. You know, yeah, that's what we all point, need I think the point of the community is if we don't have the answer that we know somebody that does, right? That's the like cause we don't we don't know the answers. We're right. not we're not like super experts at anything. It's it's just like we we if somebody has a question that we don't know, like we can we can go out to somebody else that we think might have the answer or push them in the right direction, give them that contact, be like, hey and before it was like feels like, oh don't don't give that person my number. I don't want to talk to them. Or say, Hey, yeah. Pool Pro magazine, why don't you write an article yeah. about this so that we know what to do? And I'll say, there Yes, I will talk to four <laughs> experts and I will give you a a wide ranging perspective. <laughs> See, but you have I mean, you've yeah. got 
much more resources than we do. So talk about coming up with the best answer. It's like, hey, because I, I talked to you on the phone about this, a huge issue is for many manufacturers, they want to do training, but they want to send you an email the night before or the week before. Like, dude, why isn't there some calendar, universal calendar somewhere of when, you know what I mean? You're, you're going to bust my chops because this didn't get done right. You know what I mean? And you send me an email the night before or the week before when there's like training going down, you know, or, you know, we don't know what time it's going to start, you know, exactly. It depends on when uh, everyone shows up. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's like, pff, that sounds legit. You know what I mean? But, you know, just different things like that. And you said, oh, that's interesting. Wasn't too sure about that. And that's kind of like a weird, mm -hmm. like, internal industry type deal. Um, but I loved how open you were about it. And we talked quite a bit about it. But the same goes for other people. It's like, dude, you got like a weird question. No matter what it is, believe me, there's other people out there that have the same problem. And if you can get it presented, how awesome is that? There's no cost for that. I'm just, yeah. I'm just telling you what we're going through. And if you can find somebody that can put that together or find an answer and write about it. Like you just save somebody time. Time is money. There's so many different things that that really helps out with. So, you know, don't, don't be afraid to do that. Yeah. Freaking ask away, but make sure you read the, make sure you read the issues too. Cause you very well <laughs> might ask a question. It's like, Hey, that was actually uh, on the cover. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's that, on page 39. Yeah. That happens. That happens all the time. But honestly, like I will forgive you for that because I forget what we've written about before too sometimes. Oh, yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know, after you, it kind of all starts to run together at some point and you're like, wait, did we already write a story on that? And it's all kind of the same, to be honest. I mean, even when we do, we interview different people, it's like the, the flow is kind of the same, but the stories are different yeah. because everybody we're in Scottsdale. There could be a million companies, but I guarantee if you line us all up, we all have completely different stories. How we start, we have completely stories, how we run our business, the customers we deal with, the pools that we see, everything is different. And I think that's what kind of makes this industry very unique is that, man, you could be, my next door neighbor has a completely different pool than me. Like it looks crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like, everything is so different. Yeah. It's and really neat. Like, it's funny when you talk to people who get into the industry for the first time, or especially like, um, we did a story in the last issue about, um, some, like pool service franchises. And it was interesting talking to those guys because some of them were, um, didn't have pool experience, but had like franchise experience. And it was like, yeah, the pool industry is very different than we expected. You know, I think you, when you don't know anything about it, you think every pool is going to be the same. And then you walk out there and you go to like four backyards and you're like, never mind. Yeah. Everything they all have is, different personalities. Everything is different. <laughs> all different personalities and all take yeah, time to learn. There's no one size fits all. Absolutely. No. Well, cause it's different and they don't, I think even homeowners don't really understand this, but it's for an electrician or somebody else, you can, you can get in the attic, you can do different things to see, you know, different wiring and different things like that. Like a pool, there's so many components that you don't know about that are underground and it's not so easy. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to do leak detection and there's a lot of specialty leak detection companies, but there you have to understand, like, if you don't do that, like that's going to cost you money, but the customer expects you to figure that out. It's like, I'm losing water. This is happening. It's affecting this. Like what, why aren't you, what's going on here? And it's like, what do you want me? To, okay, fine. I'll bring a leak detection person over here and you're going to write him a check for X amount of dollars. And then they're going to have to, you know, break concrete and, you know, dig this up and it's there's so many things that can go wrong you know what i mean all it it really takes time and experience and training and all those different things yeah it's a multifaceted industry with a multifaceted product <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure there's um, plenty to cover so 
so we were talking that, you know, we are on the podcast. Um, we know a ton of work goes into, you know, podcasting on a scale of one to 10. Um, you know, how difficult do you think it is for you? Oh man. I mean, <laughs> I think that it's, it's hard for me because like there's certain things about it that make it difficult for my particular situation. Like I'm in Oklahoma, like I, people can't come to me. That's just not realistic. And so there's a lot of difficulties as far as like just technically doing interviews over the phone. Um, you know, there's some things I'd like to do about how I set it up a little bit different. I'm doing all the editing and stuff myself, which Tyler, I know you it takes mm. a lot, it can take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it can be every, I feel like every recording I open up, it's different. Like I, I use the same setup every time. And sometimes I'll open it up. I was like, why did, where is that buzzing coming from? Like what is happening? Like, so yeah, that can be, <laughs> that can be, that yeah. can be hard. Well, and it's funny cause like I interview and talk to a lot of people and then it's, it's like it just recently dawned on me that it's like, oh, I should record that for the podcast while I'm talking to them. But then that's a whole other layer of of comfort that you have to get over with the person that you're that you're interviewing because, you know, it's it's one thing to have your answers be distilled into an article. It's another thing to have your entire conversation recorded and played for everybody. So yeah, it's kind of a it can be a hard thing to talk people talk people into. And um, I kind of have some things I'd like to change about it that I'm that I'm working on because I, I'm like you guys, I just love podcasts. I mean, that's, I listen to a ton of podcasts, you know, it's, you know, I'm dropping my daughter off at daycare. I'm picking her up. That's what I'm listening to when I'm cleaning the house or making dinner. Like that's what I, that's what I turn on. And, um, so I love podcasts and I feel like I, I want to do, I want to do it justice. And so, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's been a, it's been a learning experience. Um, but it's kind of one of those things where it's, I feel like we've always, we've never been afraid of taking those kinds of risks. It's kind of like, why not try it? I mean, what's, you know, I was going to say, why did you even, why did you guys do it in the beginning anyway? Because I love podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. I mean, really like that's, and that's, you, you that's just it. saw the yeah. way things were changing too. I mean, cause for a lot of people that aren't keeping up with the times, they don't understand that this is the future. And you have to understand that we're all so busy because we have so many distractions and you're driving and different things like that. Like it's really hard. Like the thought of me being able to sit somewhere with a book, like a, like a <laughs> chapter book and yeah. just sit there. Cause people are like, Oh, I read that book over the weekend. I'm like, shit, man, it must be nice. Yeah. You must not have kids. You I must not own say. a business. You <laughs> must, no you must not. I can't even imagine. Would you do this two o'clock in the morning? Like maybe. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's crazy how, how important that is. And that's really cool that you guys are that innovative to, you know, pay attention to that and you've been doing it. Yeah. And that's just, that's just a piece of the puzzle. You know what I mean? Cause you have a digital version. You guys, you're talking about an app, which, you know, you can discuss later, but the podcast is just, you know, another thing to kind of help get information out there. Yeah. Well, and it's, I, I also, you know, it's kind of funny because when we, I met you guys at the, you know, we had done the podcast together and then I met you at the, at the international show in Orlando and you had mentioned that you're like, yeah, I think we're kind of thinking about maybe starting a podcast. And I was like, oh, cool. Cause, oh, no, we were doing it. Uh, yeah. Well, cause my, <laughs> yeah, we were kind of filling you out with that conversation uh, a little bit. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to make sure, make sure we weren't stepping on toes. Or well, anything, well that was the thing. Like, I kind of had always intended to do a podcast for the poolside, too. But, it, you know, it just, you know, how many people only have so many hours in the day. So it hadn't happened yet. And, um, as I was kind of thinking about things to do for the, for the 2018, the coming year before I knew anything about what the business was doing, I was like, all right, I should probably look at the podcast and I really want to think about what I'm doing with it. And maybe I should think about doing pools. And I was like, I really need like 
co-hosts. I was like, I wonder if those guys would be interested in maybe. And I looked and I'm like, I don't know, they're already doing it. <laughs> I missed I missed the boat. And now I don't have to do a podcast for pools because you guys are you guys are doing it and I'm fine with that. Like I I don't need to start another podcast. <laughs> yeah, get, we're we're starting a magazine now too. Way more work. Just no. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that was definitely to be honest, I think that was kind of weird because we always talked about how much we really liked you and how smart you were and how good you were with that and how much respect we had Mm -hmm. for the magazine and the articles that were written. I mean, there's tons of stuff out there, but pool pro magazine was definitely the most tailored to fit our needs. I mean, well, that's like, that's a hundred percent props to our design team. Like, I feel like that is something that's always been a differentiator for us. You know, and it's funny because sometimes, you know, I'm going to throw Dave under the bus a little bit is, you know, he'd be like, you know, it doesn't look like trade enough. It looks too consumerish and it, you know, and it's like, no, it looks clean and like someone can actually read it. Like that's, you know, that's okay. And sometimes he'd be like, that looks too girly. All our readers are men. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm putting it, I'm doing it. Anyway. Yeah. They can deal with some purple. No, no. And I I definitely think, I mean, my opinion anyway, is that it should stay the way that it is because it's an easy read and that's what you want. The, it, it's really hard, you know, if a magazine isn't visually appealing, but you can pick that magazine up and open up the middle and right away you have certain um, topics in bold. You have different colors. Um, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of different things going on and it just makes for um, much easier read. And I already don't do well. I know how to read, <laughs> but I, I prefer not to sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler, Tyler sits here. I'm like, dude, read this to yeah. me. What does that What's say? It say again? What does that say? No, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just very well done. All the colors, the everything about it is very well done. I wanted to touch base a little bit on the because you said Dave said that all your listeners are men. So coming from a perspective and being a woman in the industry, has that been a challenge for you? That's a good question. No, honestly, like I feel like, I mean, very very rarely you will meet some people that are just kind of overtly chauvinist. Um, but no, I feel like people in this industry have always been respectful and haven't, you know, looked down on me because I am, because I'm a woman. Um, you know, occasionally at the shows you'll have people who will make comments on how you look or whatever, but it's, it's really rare. And I mean, I'm getting older now, so that's less and less than it used to be. Um, but, or, you know, they just kind of hang out in the booth for a long time and you're like, I don't really understand why you're still here. (laughs) So there, I mean, there are things like that that happen, but no, I mean, for the most part, people have been really professional and sometimes I get irritated when people talk about it being a male dominated industry, um, and certain facets of it are, but there are a lot of women in this industry and a lot of really smart women and not just, you know, the ones not just sitting behind a desk, like there are women out there like cleaning pools and doing the work. And yeah, and, every and, time I see that, I think it's so freaking cool because I don't, yeah. don't, I mean, I don't see it too much around here in Arizona, but I mean, I've seen it across Instagram photos and stuff like there's some really cool, you know, girls and women out there that are like doing it. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, it, it is. You definitely it's need great. more of it. Like, you know, just that whole side of it and equalization you know for sure yeah it's i mean it's kind of it is kind of an interesting thing and i do i do think about that a lot like you know is this going to be an awkward situation and but no i mean i like people in this industry have been have been really great so that's awesome that's good to hear i mean that's you would think otherwise to be honest so i think yeah no it's true i mean there's only there's only a couple people that i'm like i gotta call that guy he's gonna call me honey <laughs> oh, what's up, baby girl? Yeah, that's all, very rarely, and it's always the same people, and so I just avoid talking to them. <laughs> Dude, I'm, 
Eating dinner with my husband. Yeah. Jeez, <laughs> you're, out, you're out there. He doesn't want to be called honey no more. <laughs> so now being the new owner of Pool Pro Magazine, what does your day-to-day look like? Because I'm sure it's crazy. I mean, how do you keep yourself organized and how do you know? I mean, talk about prioritization. I mean, you probably got that on the next level. So how do you really, you know, what does that day look like for you? I mean, it's it's... I'm still in learning mode. I mean, there's so many things that I do now that I didn't do before. Um, and so, so yeah, that's, it's been hard, a hard adjustment, like just the back end stuff running, um, just the operations and dealing with the printer and running payroll and all that kind of stuff that I didn't and selling ads. I mean, um, we don't have an ad rep right now, which I think it's important for me to, to learn that job and do that job for the time being. Um, I mean, I need to find someone just because it, I don't have time to do everything. And so, right. But I think right now it's important. I mean, if I'm going to own the magazine, I need to understand all facets of it. And that's, that's an important part. And so, um, so I'm doing that right now too. And it's, yeah, it's a, it's a lot. And there's new things that we want to do and try and, um, you know, finding the time in the, of the day to have the brain power to think about something in a big picture, creative way is, is really, is really tough. Um, I make a lot of lists. I'm, you know, reading a book about, organizing your life right <laughs> to try to are do you that. are you like a like a physical pen to paper man pad? i i wasn't until uh until i bought the business and then i had to i mean i have to write things down anyway but it's been electronically now i have to write things down with a pen and have it next to me because otherwise i just can't we have a lot of project management management tools that we use at the magazine and so and those are helpful but um but even that sometimes feels like another task. Right. So it's like I, I just have my to-do list for the week and I just think these are the most important things and I cross them off as I go. And um, But it's I, I need to get better at it. I mean, it's um, it's the last last couple of months have just been trial by fire and it's sure. it's been it's been overwhelming. It's a lot of stuff, but it's starting to it's starting to calm down to the point where I'm like, OK, I'm starting to some of these things that were new. I'm getting better at. You know, there's a lot of stuff at the beginning we had to do as far as like moving websites over and fixing up some of that kind of stuff and some things in the back end that, you know, that go on behind the scenes of a business that no one knows about that had to get taken care of. Right. And, and so, yeah, that was, that was a lot, but I feel like we kind of, I'm starting to get those processes down and it's not as much of a burden. Um, you know, I can send out invoices now. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's good. I mean, it took me a few times, you know, we brought a lot of paper, <laughs> <laughs> but so that kind of stuff is like coming together and, um, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a complicated business, um, you know, it's complicated how we have done it because we really view the, the hot tub and the swimming pool industry as separate. Like we don't, um, and that was the reason why Dave started Spa Retailer Magazine because no one was talking about the hot tub industry as its own entity. And it's, right. and it's totally different. Like you have, your business has very little in common with a hot tub retail store. Um, we, and it, it's so crazy you say that because we actually don't service above ground spa right. at all because yeah. it's its own. It needs different chemicals. It needs to be taken care of differently. It actually has a cover on it, which our pools here in Scottsdale, yeah. Arizona don't, most of them don't have covers. So it's, you're trapping heat. There's so many different things that go on with an above ground spa that, you know, it is its own entity. Yeah. And, and we really felt like that's, that's how the industry is. And so it, which is great, but it also means that, you know, I have completely different audiences with totally different needs um, that I have to figure out how to how to reach. And so it's you know, there's a lot of a lot of prongs <laughs> for sure. Yeah. 
That's really cool. So, you know, I'm just going to kind of address the, you know, elephant in the room. A lot of people, you know, and I've heard this for actually many years now that print is slowly dying. What is kind of your take on that? Yeah. I, I mean, people have been saying print's dying as long as I feel like it's print has been around or as long as the internet has been around, let's put it that way. Um, but no, I definitely don't think that's, I don't think that's true. And I think that in a lot of ways, print is more important now than ever. Um, and there's some studies that show that people are turning to print more often now than they have even in the last couple of years. I think that, um, with some of the things that happened in the last election, you know, people are a little bit more wary of the information that they get online and the, and the news that they find online. And I think there's something that the legitimacy of having a print publication in your hands is something that I don't think is going away any, anytime soon. I mean, it may go away. I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, eventually that could be, that could be the case and print that def- can be said about any industry or company or anything <laughs> yeah, exactly. where nothing is I mean, promised. <laughs> yeah. The robots are going to take over everything, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you, I mean, you can't exist. Print can't exist by itself. You need to have those online products and those digital products and you need to like continually be adding those kinds of things to reach, to reach your entire audience. Like there are some guys who will never print a, pick up a print magazine but there are some people who will never look at it online either. And they still, um, I'm always, I'm always excited and, and surprised a little bit by how many of our readers are so loyal to the print version of the magazine. Like if they're like me, you spend, you know, spend a good portion of your day in front of a computer. And there is something that is just a break for your mind and your eyes to sit down with, with something that's not electronic. And so, you know, for all the people who, don't want to sit down and page through a magazine at the end of the day. We've got lots of other ways that you can look at that information. So we're not leaving you out, but yeah, print is not going away. And I think from an advertising perspective too, I think print gives you a legitimacy that online advertising doesn't either. Like everyone's really in love with all of the analytics and metrics that online marketing can give you right now. Um, I think it's really short sighted to disregard print because you can't measure it in that way. Because I think that seeing that beautiful full color, you know, glossy paper ad gives your business a legitimacy that I know a Facebook ad doesn't, you know, you may be able to see that someone from, you know, Norman, Oklahoma clicked on that ad, but I, you know, it doesn't, doesn't tell you how they feel about your business and having that consistency in print advertising, um, it, it, it still works. It's, yeah. it's, it's the long game, but it, it makes a big difference. And I, it, the people who get that are the, are the companies that stick around. And I even think it's really cool that you guys, you said five, um, magazines a year, right? Yeah. We're doing five, five issues of pool pro right now. Okay. So I think that's even, that's really cool. Cause I know there's some that it's like every month and it's just too much. It's too much. And five magazines is enough time to like really, get ideas, hear things from other, you know, pool companies or builders or whatever, you can really gather that information and build something great because you have the time to do it and the resources you build over time. And we've always liked that because especially if you're marking things in magazine, you're making note and you're trying to implement new things. Um, it's nice when there's not like a million, you know, I have a stack, you know, two feet high of magazines. Um, but that stuff is really good. And you can always reference back on the digital side. And I was talking with you a little bit before you got here that, you know, I still I have 
I love magazines. You know what I mean? There's a handful that I still get in the mail that cost me quite a bit of money that I pay for. Um, really into, you know, Harley's old Harley Davidson motorcycles. So, you know, there's a magazine called dice that I get that, you know, once I think it's every three months or something like that, but it's just, you don't see that anywhere else. I get to feel the paper and I get to see these beautiful bikes and, um, you know, the editors they have on there and the write-ups they do, um, different parts of the world. Um, it's just, you can't get that anywhere else. And like you said, it really is a good break from seeing things on a computer or seeing things on your phone. I mean, we're just glued to those, you know, two things 24 seven that it's, it's a nice break to just deal with, you know, paper and deal with a nice magazine and read that and, you know, bookmark it, do whatever you got to do. And it gives you ideas for different things. So definitely think that has, um, still great value. And I think if that even were to phase out, I mean, we just do what everybody else does because I think the pool industry is the same. I think the way that we clean pools and other things that we do, I think in time because of technology and the way things that are happening, like we're going to have to make adjustments as well. And that's all you guys do. And it seems like you've done really well with keeping up with the times because you have, you know, a digital version, you're working on the app and making that better. I'm going to be doing more with the podcast, but you're kind of a, a pioneer with that stuff. It's a matter of just kind of, especially as being a new owner, you're probably, you know, delegating different stuff and structuring it. So it's like, okay, this is what it is now. Everybody knows their role. We have tons of, you know, questions and emails coming through about what, how we should do this and questions we should be asking. Um, but all that takes time, but I really think that you guys do a really good job. Thanks. It's really nice. It's really nice to hear. I mean, I, th- I probably have already said it. I don't know if on the podcast or just when I was talking to you guys, but it does feel like you create this stuff in a vacuum. And so it's really nice when we get some feedback and hear from people about what they like and what they don't like. And, um, and yeah, I mean, if there's, if there's new ways that we should be distributing our, our information, I mean, I am more than willing to, to try stuff. And, um, I think the app is a, you know, is a, it's still, it's still pretty new and we're going to really re releasing a new version really soon. If it, isn't already out by the time the podcast comes out. Um, and so, yeah, if you are not a paper person and you're the guy who's, you know, flipping through his phone at the end of the day, sitting in front of the TV, then that's, you know, that could be a really easy way to, to get some information without, um, without a whole lot of extra, extra work. Yeah. I think there's a lot of value in, in the actual magazine as well. Um, but I think we were talking about with our dad, the other day, because he was a big salesman, you know, an auto trader for yeah, years I and years. Tried to hire him, and you yeah. said he didn't want to sell ads anymore. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't understand yeah. that. I think he'd be, I think he'd be a great fit for me. Yeah. <laughs> In all fairness, we'll ask him. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. He, I, I appreciate that. He needs that. something else to do. No, <laughs> just kidding. He doesn't. <laughs> But, um, you know, he worked for the auto trader for 10 years and then another one called Recycler, which is in California for, for years. And, you know, we were talking a little bit about auto trader's story because there was, there's a big article out there. I don't, I don't know who wrote it or anything, but it was between, it was showing the difference between auto trader and blockbuster and how auto trader saw that what they were doing was, was not working anymore. And they flipped to, you know, an online platform. And Blockbuster didn't. Blockbuster let Netflix take its place mm-hmm. when they could have very easily been Netflix. Blockbuster had the audience, the people. They had the way to do it. If they would have switched to an online version of it, like Blockbuster would be Netflix. And, well, I mean, obviously different owners and different perspectives, but, like, they could have been Netflix. Mm-hmm. And what Auto Trader took was, was took that whole industry and flipped it and said, you know, we're going to embrace it and see. So I think that that is a cool 
that you guys are being progressive with that and seeing that, you know, that people view view things differently, but you're still giving them the actual physical content of being able to enjoy that part of it and then also adapting to new ways and new technologies and growing with the industry and growing with technology. Like, I mean, obviously we all know this industry is a little bit behind <laughs> in technology yeah. for sure. And it's gaining rapidly, but I mean, it's still several years behind other things. I mean, I was talking with my brother a lot about it and he's like, do you, can you, can, can I do this with my pool? And I'm like, no, he's like, well, I can do this with every other thing. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's still, it's still catching up. You know, it's still, you know, you want, you know, I forget what it was about, but he wanted it to do something. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, that's not, it can't happen, man. And not now yet. And, you know, it's just a lot of stuff that you can't do yet, but obviously it's growing, but it's cool that you guys adapt to the I mean, new we're trying, I mean, We're still, we're still behind, I feel like in a ton of stuff. And I, I mean, well, I'm sure you, well, I'm sure you feel like that as a business owner too, yeah. like it could always be better. And so it's really hard sometimes to, to, uh, to think about the things that you could or should be doing and you want to do down the road. But, but we're, I mean, we're definitely trying to, you know, to reach everybody, you know, the best way, the best way that we can, but Thanks for not making me do another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> how how old is is Dave? You know, is he he's an older <sighs> yeah. Generation, no, Dave. Right? No, Dave's in, Dave's in his fifties. Okay. He's still he's still he's still pretty young. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, actually, I've I've been curious though. How old are you guys? Because I feel like we talk about the younger generation, but like, but how old are you? I'm 34. 31. 32. Okay. Yeah. So I'm the old one of the group. 31, yeah. 32, 34. <laughs> we need to get a 33 year old in here. <laughs> Make this legit. Well, you have my husband to be the to be the older one. He's he's uh, he was born in 79. So. <laughs> Ooh. I know. Good year. Not even an 80s baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> no, I was just curious as because I think you know you being younger probably brings a different perspective it definitely does for social media and um i mean i say that but i am not like a big social media person myself like i don't i don't post very much like personally um i'm i'm a good stalker like i like to look at it but i don't i'm i'm always really i think it's that shyness in me still like but you're around it and you're but all your friends are in it and you're you're i understand the importance of it which i think was a hard thing for me to get dave on board with um and i think you know, for him, he was like, we can't, and it's a lot of business owners do the same thing, right? We, we can't monetize it. Like I'm not, I don't want to spend the money on it because I'm not going to get anything back. And I think that as someone of our generation, we kind of understand it doesn't matter. Like you have to do it or you're in some ways you're not legitimate. Like it has to be, well, you have to be on there. Is different. It, you get a different return from it. Exactly. Sure. It's not yeah. a numbers game anymore where right. they can see a physical paper with this is how many people are are looking at this, some people are responding. Yes. But the funny thing is, is that people say that, but nobody tracks their marketing as good as they think they do. Yeah. And so I'm like, I mean, monetize it. Like we, like it's pretty difficult. Are yeah. people, are people talking about it? That's, that's monetized. You know what I mean? In that perspective, yes. is, is somebody mentioning it? Well, is people f- talking about it. That's what our new era is. Like yeah. that's, that's the return. That's what you should be looking at. Like people actually put tagged your product in it and right. tagged pool pro in this and tag, you know, like that's, that's where you're like, Oh, somebody's paying attention. Well, and I think too, I think we, I think people are finally understanding, um, in our industry and in, in just like worldwide, like just how important content is mm-hmm. like, I mean, like you service pools, but whether you like it or not, you are in the content business. Like 
you have to be putting stuff out all the time to get new customers and to educate your customers and to, I mean, stay on Google where you want to be. I mean, like that, that is suddenly a part of your job. And so I think that's really overwhelming for people. And even as a company that is a content company, that's even overwhelming for us. Like well, that's why they call it content marketing. And if you're not uh, yeah. doing it, then you're probably going to die. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's just all there is to it. Yeah. Sink or swim right. all day. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how much, there's a lot of people probably struggling because they don't know how that ties into what they're doing. Cause they're like, I, my job is physical and I do this and that, like, what do you mean content and content marketing? Why is writing important right. and different things like that? But it's, it's how you're, it's a reflection of your business, what you think it is and how you're getting that point across to customers. And now it's even us. How are we getting our point across to um, other pool professionals right. and things like that? I yeah. think we talked about with how like the your social media just basically gives you a legitimacy to your company, and you know, not that you're because I don't think we get a lot of business from the Instagram, like as far as brothers, but like we've gotten a few here and there. But what it does is it gives somebody an avenue of like, oh, I saw you on Yelp. Oh, you have an Instagram. Like, oh, you have this. Like, you're like you're like a legit company now. To people our age and you know in their thirties, forties, buying houses with pools, like that is like okay. Well, you actually know what's going on and you're you're doing it. And yeah, you do what you say you're going to do because yeah. I've seen it yes. online and I I believe that. <laughs> right. You know, it, it's kind of weird because I think it depends on what you do because I don't think a lot of people make you know a bunch of money through Instagram. I think what Instagram is supposed to do and what it does is it's brand awareness. Yeah. That is the hub to where you show the ins and outs of what your business is and what's in your bio. That link is what is really making the money is where yeah. you're linking out and going. So if we're here in Scottsdale with Brothers Pool Service and somebody stumbles upon you know, our Instagram page and they're like, what the heck is this? Like, this yeah. looks really cool. A lot of cool pools. It looks like they know what they're doing. Um, it looks like, um, you know, the, the people that work for this company are really cool people. They look professional and they visit our website and things like that. It's really hard to almost even track that unless they were to hit that link or something. Cause they're like brothers pool service. I'll have to check that out. And they do, you know what I mean? And it's like, I don't know that that came from there. There's so many things that are not a hundred percent, you can get an understanding of where things are coming through because of Google analytics and things like that. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's not always, always a hundred percent, but Instagram is definitely for, you know, all business owners that is brand awareness because it's like, if you're going to be on there, if you decided not to be on Twitter, just don't do it. You know what I mean? And I'm saying this because I want to kind of kick myself for being better at that. It's like, if you're going to be on it, be consistent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just, if you're going to do it, like freaking do it. Yeah. And we had trouble with that too. Like we'd, you know, cause I started, I think some of our social media accounts, like way back in, you know, when I first started at the company, like in 2008 or, or whatever, but we didn't have a strategy. I didn't know what I was doing. And so we kind of like do it in like, you know, fits and starts. We'd do it a little bit and then we'd stop and we'd do it a little bit and we'd stop. And, and we just didn't really know what we're doing. And I think we've, we've finally are like starting to do a better job of that and be more consistent at it. But like Instagram, I hard time getting over because you know, we have a lot of written content, but like, we're not out doing stuff. We don't, we're not even in an office together. Like my employees are in Missouri and Arizona and Oklahoma and Denver and, you know, all over. And so I was like, how do we, what do we do? That's like, you know, this is us and this is, this is what we do. And this is, and this is who we are. And we're, I'm still trying to figure that out, but I'm so glad that you guys kind of made me get on Instagram because I love following all the pool service guys. And I think I, (laughs) I, I love watching 
filter cleans. I just like, it's just so satisfying to me to see somebody clean a filter and like it's dirty and then they're spraying it and then it's clean. It's just, it just is like, it's a relaxing thing for me. So, you know, it'd be, you know, it's really cool too, is that there's so much information on Instagram that you could very well like learn real quick. What, like if there was like, like, man, what, what would be a good article? You could very well look up hashtag pool service or pool builder and you could see, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of struggles in there. I'm, I'm actually quite surprised. Yeah, pool chasers. <laughs> it's, it's actually, um, really surprising some people, how honest they are. And it'd be really cool to oh. do a write up where it's like, Hey, this is how you do a proper DE filter clean. And this is the proper cartridge filter clean, because I think we need to keep in mind that there's a lot of people that are thinking about getting into the industry or they're in it and they don't really know how to do everything. I mean, there's quite a few different um, salt cells out there. It'd be really cool if you wrote about how to clean this one specifically and you have the resources. You would go to contact this person from Pentair. They are a specialist. They built this. How do you clean this thing exactly? You know what I mean? Is there a different way to do that because they have a different type of filter? You know, do they need to know what gallon you know, the pool is like, there's all these different things that you could really go on there and find. I've gotten a ton of story ideas from Instagram already. Like it's been, it's been, it's been really fun. I mean, I'm kind of mad at myself for not doing it earlier, but um, you're welcome. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's, it's great. I just, I love seeing what people are doing on a day in and day out basis out there in the field and what they're working on and what they're seeing and man, how bad some of those pools are. Dude, mm-hmm. so I feel so, so bad for some of these people. Oh, I'm man. like, oh, dude. Oh, like God I, I bless mean, it you. looks like a tree is growing out of the pool. And I'm just like, wow. how is this possible? It's amazing. Some are so bad. I could very well like fall into the pool. You know what I mean? Like they're just covered so bad in leaves. Ugh. I thought you said there was a pool back here. <laughs> Splash. It's amazing. But yeah, I, I, think, I, I love that. I think we saw one of the worst. I mean, worst we've ever seen the other day was like brown and full of like brown, foamy, white. I don't even know what it was. Which one? On Instagram? No, the one in person. The, oh. The brown, remember up, up north. The one oh, where, the yeah, algae? We were just talking about, yeah, the algae, like, like the brown, oh, like yeah. disgusting. I don't know like, what. Yeah. I that was the craziest. It was like some weird foamy brown. I don't I've never seen anything like it before. Yeah, it looked like and, it looked like pool floats, but it was algae. Yeah. Like it was like really? thick, like yeah. moving around. And of course, this you know so gentleman gross. wants to swim tomorrow. Sounds yeah. Like a, my dude, this pool's 30,000 gallons. You wanted to you swim have... like the next day? Yeah, you yes. thought you were going to clean that up? His expectations yes. were high. I'm like, dude, I know oh, it's hot right. outside, but I ain't swimming in this tomorrow. Dude, that was... Uh, that's... And even <laughs> if it starts to clear up, believe me, you don't want to be in here. No. <laughs> we're about to dump like so many chemicals in here, you probably will glow. Yeah. Like, seriously. do not go in this pool. I mean, if you want to shave your arms, maybe dip your arm right? in there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Ever heard of Nair? It's kind of... <laughs> Similar process. Nair, you've used a lot of Nair in your life, have you? Oh, wait, I heard, oh, yeah. I heard about that. I saw a commercial. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I don't shake my arms, by the way. I knew too. <laughs> Here's my Nair plug. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Nair. For all you pool guys, you want uh, clean shaved arms oh, and legs. Yeah. Do you want Blue Apron as a sponsor? They sponsor like every other podcast I listen to. I can talk about, you talk about time management, like that's the only way I'm feeding my family right now. So if you want them as a sponsor, I will tell them right now, I love you. <laughs> if my mom doesn't bring it over, that's the only way we're eating right now. Yeah. She feeds us and my parents moved. My parents lived in Wichita for a long time and then they moved. Um, they moved from Oklahoma to Wichita and now they, have, no, they lived in North Dakota. Right. They moved to Wichita 
And then they moved down um, like three miles from our house. And it's the only way that we have survived owning this business the last couple of months because my mom picks my daughter up from daycare almost every day. Like she feeds us. She's cleaned our house. She's done our laundry. Like we would not survive without that. That's a North Dakota mom. Oh man. Like just (laughs) above, just above and above and beyond for, for sure. I mean, and that, that my husband too, like I would, I would feel bad if I didn't give him a plug also because I was also going to say, we really wanted to hear, you know, cause you said that he's an entrepreneur kind of small business. He was in the military. Um, Let's talk about him a little bit. Yeah, before we well, end it's this. one of those, it's one of those things too. Like, so he is he is an owner in the business too. Like, he has a he has a stake, and I think you guys know. Like, when you own a small business, your spouse, whether or not they're on the paperwork or not, is a partner in that business. Hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, he he works in the oil field. He has a he has a great job, and he works really he works really hard. And his job is very similar to what you guys do. I think I talked about that. You know, what was it like two, three hours ago? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <been> a while. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he was, he was a Marine. Um, so yeah, we're a, we're a a business owned by a a veteran and a, and a woman. And, uh, (laughs) if you're listening, thank you, sir. Yeah. Thank you. But yeah, I, I could not do this without him. And, you know, he's been really, it's been a big sacrifice for him for me to do this because it's, you know, taken a lot of my time and, you know, he has, he has a solid job and he has to keep his job. Like, you know, everything that I'm making right now is getting poured back into the business. And so I, you know, you know, he's talked about doing other things before and it's like, Hey, if we buy this, you know, this means that you got to keep your job because we need your like benefits and your, and your income. And, yeah. and so it's, it's been a, you know, he works, he works really hard. He's out there. He drives like an hour and a half to get to work, to do oh, his job. Rough. And <clears throat> Yeah, it's um, he comes home and tells me a lot of the same stories that I hear you guys talk about on your <laughs> on your podcast as far as like dealing with customers and unrealistic expectations and showing up at an oil well. That's like, how did it get like this? It's it's kind of his uh, it's like his green to clean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but it's um, we talked about doing a whole segment on customers and we must still might. But that is <laughs> the customer stories we get are. It is like everybody else is crazy. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, it's hard to like my job getting more stressful to not make his job any less stressful. And so, you know, it's been a real test of communication as far as, you know, what our expectations are and how this new, this new life looks for us. But he's been a real, he's been a real champ and he's been learning about the pool industry. Nice. It's, It's been pretty fun. Yeah. Fun talking shop. I think, yeah. I mean, it's the other day he's like, okay, so what is Pool Corp? <laughs> <laughs> I need to know. Yeah, for sure. I but, know. you know, it's funny. Like, he. Did you just tell him it's confusing? Don't worry about it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> just kidding. No, I, like, I tried to explain it to Can him. Can you do it like Mark? Oh. SCP, Superior, MPT? Yeah, but I mean, that thank, meant. Thank you. That meant... <laughs> thank you for that. That clears things up. <laughs> Mark said it like six times on his episode, like, SAP is period NPT. Like, all fast. like what? What did you say? He says that, that a same lot. Company? I know. <laughs> this was not a commercial. Uh, yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> um, do you guys, if you like when we met, he was working at, so he just got out of the Marine Corps and he was working at Bingham Equipment. Do you guys know? I think maybe probably pool builders would know that. They he worked in their parts department. They sell equipment down in down in Mesa. They have other other locations around here. Uh-huh. No, okay. Well, I guess if you need a backhoe, that's where you would go, or a bulldozer, Probably. or something. That's what my dad used to do in Vegas was a heavy equipment. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. And he he had one of his other first jobs when he moved to Arizona was moving furniture. I think you guys also did that. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, but he's very he's, relatable. We don't want to talk about. Yep, it. he's moved. He's a uh, he's moved furniture. He's uh, sold sold equipment parts. Um, 
Yeah, I can't imagine moving furniture in Arizona. He did that here? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Hell no. <laughs> I, can't, it, it didn't last. I don't know how to move my own stuff. Uh, yeah, right? it, didn't, it didn't last very long. Um, <laughs> yeah, when we met, he'd been working at Bingham he'd, for a couple of years. And then when we got married, you know, that was when the recession hit, and that industry took a big dive. So he got, he got laid off and went back to school um, and finished his degree and then moved to Oklahoma to work in the oil industry. That's really cool. Thank you for sharing um, your husband's story. I think that's really cool. Was he in the Marines for? Did he do four years? Yeah, he or? did. Yeah, he did four years. Um, yeah, he's got he's got a lot of stories, as you can imagine. You worked. Where was he at, stationed? Did, you worked in a Marine Corps base, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Just it was uh, my last stop was the Army Annex base in Barstow, oh, but okay. it's uh, pretty much. Did the Marines send stuff there to like free to fix, or was it just Army? It was just Army. Uh, it was both. And okay. I mean, it was really like a warehouse. I mean, it was a warehouse and holding place for everything. I mean, there was like Navy ships out there. Yeah. Um, the Marines, obviously, they had the Humvees, the P7s, MK48s, all these things. There's Navy ships? Yeah. I mean, they're not floating. They're just out in the desert. But I'm just in saying. Barstow? Yeah. They're not being There's used. No, there ain't no water around there. Yeah. Pretty much firewood at this point. Yeah. Well, because I asked him because I knew you'd said you worked in the military, like for the military in Barstow. And I was like, Aaron, what's in Barstow? And he was like, oh, man, that's right. We'd send stuff anytime it broke. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so pretty much when the rotation would come through, because there, I mean, there's a the train goes right through the base, like the main maintenance center. Yeah. And that's where things get fixed. But pretty much the train comes through and say it's 100 Humvees. They come off, you know, the trailer and they get taken to um pretty much where the Humvees get stored. And after that happens, they go through the process of being taken apart and they get turned into an armored Humvee and they get a new radiator. They get new suspension tires. They go through this whole process and then it gets, you know, sold back to, you know, the military or it goes up to Fort Irwin. Gotcha. Um, Because Fort Irwin is nearby. It's probably about an hour from that base. And that's where the training goes, um, happens at, you know, out in the desert, have a bunch of fun. Yeah. Well, he did his he did basic training in San Diego and then he spent Ken Pendleton. Yeah. He spent most of his time in Yuma, but then he also spent some time in Korea and Japan and Africa. Oh, very so, good. um, lucky. Yeah. I want to go to Japan so bad. <laughs> well, funny story. His, his job in the Marine Corps was to purify water. And um, you talk about cleaning. Like in the army now? Uh, <laughs> that's what those guys did. Dude. Shore. Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's why they ended up doing it. They're that's like, right. Hey, look at this. Like water boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you talk about cleaning DE uh, filters. He told me a story the other day about he uh, they cleaned a filter in Japan and did not do it properly. And so the the DE powder was just floating down some river in Japan. Uh, oh, that must I'm have like, been so messy. Well, yeah. He was like, we just walked away. <laughs> yeah, I'm going like, back home. He's like, we probably should have uh, reported it, but we uh, just ignored it and left. <laughs> so I, I saw that on the news. You're welcome, Japan. <laughs> yeah. A big, long, white streak. Yeah. It's not a carcinogen, right? <laughs> no scorpions in this area. Mm. <laughs> Very good. Cool. But he's going to be, uh, I'm making him come to the show with me in Vegas this year. So he's going to be, he's going to be in our booth. Um, Sweet. Yeah, I need some muscle to set up the booth, so I'm making him come. That's how our relationship is. Like, he, was, there's the power team and the finesse team, and he's the power team, and I'm the finesse team. So, Sweet. Nice. Yep. So he's gonna he's gonna come. He gets to carry all the boxes and haul the magazines around for me. But so yeah, you can come by and, and meet him. What do you know? What all events you're gonna be at? So if anybody's listening to this, you know, they know where to kind of find you. Is there any? So upcoming yeah, events? I mean, so our, our the next place that you'll probably see us will be in Vegas at the at the international show. Um, in November, big November. And then we, 
it's not finalized yet, but we should probably be in Atlantic City as well. And, you know, hopefully there's some, I'd like to do some more of the regional shows next year too um, and see some more people that way. So, but that's not set in stone yet, but, but yeah, definitely come see us in Vegas. Um, come tell me your pool stories. Tell me the things that we should be writing about. I would love to meet everybody. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And that'll give people an opportunity to obviously come talk to you, get contact information. I mean, if it were me and this is the way we kind of do things, I would take the time to write something up. I mean, if I, you know, just over time, almost like a journal where you're just making note of things that you would like answers for. Like, if you're listening to this, don't be afraid to do something like that. Print it out and, you know, bring it to Megan at the at your, uh, you know, your booth at the show. And that way it's like, you know, go over it and be like, oh, this is really good stuff. We'll definitely look into it and just keep in communication. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting. Like you hear people complain all the time about like the education at the show or at different events that it's not what they need or it's not good enough or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, okay, well, so what should it be? Just tell tell us what you want to hear about. I think that at least in the magazine, we're we very open to write about any suggestions you guys have. Thank you so much, Megan, for being on this episode with us. It was a real honor, especially coming here all the way from Oklahoma and you're flying back tonight as well. Um, can you share with our listeners just where they can find the magazine and different things that they can do? Yeah. So you can pick up a free copy of pool pro at, um, SEP or superior pool products across the country. We're in, I think around 200 of their locations, and then, you know, you can also look at the magazine on our website, poolpromag.com, or the app, which hopefully the new version will be out by the time this podcast comes out. So just search for Pool Pro and Apple Store, or Google, or however, whatever you, you do. Um, and then all, you know, all the social media accounts, you can connect with us there too on Instagram. And I'd, Instagram is probably better than the other ones, but Instagram and Facebook. Our newest issue in August will have some special people on the cover that you may uh, <laughs> recognize. <laughs> can we plug that now? Can we? Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. So the pool chasers are going to be on the cover of our of our next magazine, and I'm I'm really excited. So I'm, <laughs> I mean, you I'm, hear that? Is that a Polly Shore reference? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the podcast and so I'm really excited to have you guys in there and you know hopefully get some more people to to listen and and hear what you're hear what you're doing. Wow. And we really appreciate that. We've been talking about that for a few weeks now and we're just blown away. We talk about it every day how how cool it is and it's such a big opportunity for us to be on the cover of a magazine. I mean, this is just it's just amazing that we have this opportunity and we've built this with you and we have nothing but you know, respect for the magazine and what it's doing and what it's going to continue to do for many years to come. So thank you so much, Megan, for this opportunity. Yeah, no, thanks for, thanks for letting me be on. It's been, it's been really fun. And I'm like, I feel like I'm on a real live podcast now. <laughs> With like microphones, microphones and everything. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. We truly appreciate you giving us your time and your ear. We know how important and valuable that is. So thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, you can reach us at poolchasers.info at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our tag is poolchasers. If you guys could take a minute and go to Apple Podcasts to rate and review the podcast, we would truly appreciate it. See See you out out there, there, poolchasers.